like being in the space shuttle. Thank you, Sean, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to the September 7, 2022 meeting of the Milton Select Board. On July 16, 2022, Governor Baker signed into law an act relative to extending certain state of emergency accommodations, which, among other things, extends the expiration of the provisions pertaining to the open meeting law to March 31, 2023. This act does not make any new changes to the open meeting law other than extending the expiration date of the temporary provisions regarding remote meetings from July 15, 2022 to March 31, 2023. In accordance with uh, this um, act, um, all votes by the select board will be taken by roll call. I'd like to call the meeting uh, to order just after 7 o'clock at 7.02. Um, introductions, I'm Arthur Doyle, this year's Select Board Chair. Mr. Vice Chair? Mike Zewis, Vice Chair. Mr. Wells? Richard Wells, Secretary. Uh, Roxanne, Mike, member. Thank you. Uh, Nick, could you introduce yourself, please? Nicholas Milano, Town Administrator. Anne-Marie, I am muted. There we go. Sorry, Anne-Marie Fagan. That's all right. Linda did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, good evening. Linda Napoli, Executive Assistant to the Slack Board. Thank you very much. And Member Bradley will not be able to be with us this evening. She extends her regrets. At this time, um, Reminded that we are only a few days away from the 21st anniversary of 9-11, the 20th anniversary of which we uh, marked last year with a significant event. Uh, Member Wells was uh, uh, very much a partner in making that a, a hallmark um, event. I'd like to suggest that as we uh, all pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, we think of all of those who were directly and indirectly affected uh, by 9-11. So please join for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to, to the flag of the United, United States, States of America and to the Republic, to the Republic for which, which it stands, one nation, under God, under God indivisible, indivisible, with liberty, liberty justice, and justice, justice for all. all. Thank you very much. <clears throat> At this time, we'd like to turn to agenda item number three, which is public comment. And uh, let's see if we have some attendees with their hands raised. Uh, we do have one, Catherine Simpson, just as a refresher, we have a public comment a period of 15 minutes during each select board meeting. Each person has a uh, wishing to comment has up to three minutes uh, to make a comment. If there are no other people wishing to uh, make public comment, we can return to that person if they need additional time or up to an additional three minutes. So if we could um, move up, uh, Catherine Simpson, who is recognized. Thank you, 
Catherine, welcome. Hello, thank you. Um, so I would just like to confirm that you are in receipt of a letter from Dr. Sarah Evans from the Children's Environmental Health Center at Mount Sinai dated September 6th, 2022. Um, it was sent to the select board as well as a couple of other boards in town. And this letter strongly discourages the installation of artificial turf playing fields and fields due to uncertainties around the safety of these products and the potential for dangerous heat and chemical exposures. I would also like to note that this board has a fundamental obligation to protect both the children and the environment of this town. And that with receipt of this letter, you now have advanced notice of potential harm to both the children and environment. So I would just like to confirm that um, the select board did receive that letter. Thank you, Catherine. And I can confirm for you that the letter was recently received by the select board. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Wells, I'm sorry, did I miss you? Your hand is raised. It is, it is, Mr. Chair, but I'll wait till any other public comment. Thank made. you. Uh, we have two additional hands raised. Tony Morris was next. Can you hear me? Yes, Tonya, welcome. Thank you for welcome. being with us. Thank you. It's nice to be invited. Um, my name is Tanya Morris, and I have a colleague, um, Katie Alma, is on the line. We represent Kale Scott Associates, and we have been working um, very closely with uh, Anna Marie and um, Paige on the DNI initiative. And I really want to give you guys an update on where we at and where we're going. We were excited about this here, so I just want to give you a brief overview. We kicked off the survey and we had like a 40% response rate, which is not bad, of participant, meaning employees that participated and responded to the um, survey. Um, the survey- uh, Tanya, if I may interrupt for just a moment. Yes. We, um, we do have um, you on the agenda, the report from KL Okay, uh, I'll wait. For detail. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Would that be okay? No, that's all right. Yes, I think we're on number six, so I can definitely wait. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Paul Makashima, if I'm pronouncing Paul's surname correctly, has his hand up. Paul? Can you hear me? Yes, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for the time. Um, in addition to uh, Catherine's request, I'm asking whether you received, um, whether all the members of the board received uh, a letter from the National Conservation Group, the Sierra Club, which was uh, addressed to, uh, should have been addressed to, to each of the members concerning uh, their environmental concerns about artificial turf um, and their opposition to the, the Guile Road turf field specifically. Um, and if you haven't received a copy of that letter, we can certainly have that reset to you. And if in fact um, you have received the letters, both letters, we're hoping that that those things that will be reflected in the minutes for tonight's meeting. Thank you. Uh, affirmative on that, Paul. And if I, my memory serves me correctly, uh, we received that letter approximately two weeks ago. Okay. Does that sound right. Um, Anne Marie. Yes, Mr. Oh, Chairman. Uh, I, I would like to. Uh, excuse, I'm sorry. One other thing. Certainly. We we also wanted to mention um, that uh, 
the the uh, we don't know if this if this caught your notice. We suspected you people are all busy and have other many other issues that you're looking at. But we wanted to point out that um, last week a decision was uh, was revealed last week um, from the city of Boston that the mayor of the city of Boston, Michelle Wu, has determined that no additional artificial turf fields will be installed in the city of Boston, and that they had uh, plans to put to install. Um, an artificial turf field in Malcolm X Park in Roxbury and uh, for reasons of equity decided that instead that they would they would install natural grass or was concerned about the heat island effect. Um, a lot of residents were concerned about the chemicals that make up the artificial turf and uh, they both this uh, things like uh, the carcinogenic potential for that. In addition, they were concerned about things like uh, asthma and their children. So they made that request. The uh, city of Boston decided that not only would they reverse themselves on the Malcolm X Park, but in fact, they would take one additional step and they've just decided that they are not going to put any additional artificial turf fields in the city for the, uh, for the time being anyway. Um, and we have one last request, and this is, I don't even know, you guys might even be the wrong people to address this, but we're hoping that uh, that you can ask us, ask the Parks Department to begin recording their meetings um, so that we can watch them, you know, where school is starting up and uh, a lot of us are heading back to the office. Um, and so we're not, we've been attending uh, Parks meetings for the past couple of months and we're not all gonna be able to attend and we'd like to be able to see uh, what's going on. We keep a close eye on the minutes, but uh, minutes are difficult. So if you could if you could help us out and maybe pass along to them that, that it would be wonderful for us anyway, if they could record their meetings going forward, we'd appreciate it. We will pass that along for you, sir. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us. Seeing no other hands, uh, Mr. Wells, you are recognized. Put my hand down, Mr. Chair, because otherwise I'll leave it up for the night. I, I just wanted to thank you. Um, most people don't realize that 21 years ago, 9-11 happened. It's the 9-11 of our parents' lives. And each time that I've had the opportunity, and as I will do again tonight, I just want to thank the residents of the town who came forward. You've heard me tell the story, but most people don't know the role that this community played in it. 9-11. For me, I was a young lieutenant, never expected to be at 9-11, and I was there twice a week for three months. And this community, as well as so many residents, we supported 500 first responders for three months following 9-11. And uh, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the carnage, and I'm very grateful that you remembered it, because it's easy to forget in life, but on a day, and I to Mr. Milano, who's on his first day, uh, when 9-11 happened, I was actually in the Cronin conference room in a meeting with Mr. Cronin. And Mrs. Blute walked in and said that a second plane had struck uh, World Trade Tower. And I remember the look on John's face, having known him all of my life as you did, Mr. Chair, and Anne Marie. Um, we knew right then and there something was serious. And little did I know this community would have such an uh, an important role in it. And I just want to thank again, all the people who really stepped up and helped support so many in need during those three months. 
We should never forget this day and we should never forget the atrocity that was committed on this country. Thank you for that. Thank comment. you, Mr. Wells. Uh, attribution for the recognition has to go to Ms. Fagan. It was uh, she who- I'm sure, I'm sure it was. And <laughs> she was there. Uganda. Turning to uh, item number four, we uh, welcome, of course, our new town administrator. Uh, the Milton Select Board is pleased to welcome Nicholas Milano, who was unanimously selected as Milton's new town administrator, beginning his first day just yesterday. And we uh, use that for a photo op, as a matter of fact. Uh, Mr. Milano uh, previously served as assistant town administrator for the town of Medfield, Massachusetts. His prior experience includes service as a senior policy analyst for the Boston Municipal Research Bureau, as executive aide to the mayor of Marlboro, Massachusetts, as project coordinator for the Massachusetts School Building Authority, and as a legislative aide in Massachusetts. Mr. Milano earned his Bachelor of Arts Cum Laude from the Commonwealth Honors College at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and holds a Master of Urban Affairs degree from Boston University. He also earned a certificate in local government management and leadership sponsored by the Massachusetts Municipal Association and Suffolk University. Please join in congratulating and welcoming Nicholas Milano our new time administrator. And at this time, I'd like to invite uh, Mr. Milano to share some comments that he may wish to make. Thank you for that introduction. Um, and just thank you to the board for this opportunity. I look forward to working closely with you um, moving forward from here on out. Um, and I would be remiss to thank uh, Lynn, Anne-Marie and Paige in our office for helping me transition over the past few few weeks and especially the last two days. I've had a uh, chance to meet um, everybody in town hall. I was over at the police department today, so I'll be out and about over the next few weeks, getting to meet everybody, seeing everybody's facilities, um, spending some time to just get to know the employees, residents and board and committee members. So feel free to reach out, stop into town hall. We're there, I'm happy to sit down with anybody. So I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to working with everybody. Uh, thank you, Nick. Um, any questions of, for Nick that anybody wishes to make or any comments that they wish to make? Seeing none, that suggests you're securely entrenched now in your new responsibilities. And we all wish you uh, very well and our support will be with you all the way. Turning now to agenda item number five. This is a uh, continuation uh, from an item that we uh, previously uh, attended to. It is a three-step uh, Zoning Board of Appeals appointment process, and we should have Mr. Prondack with us this evening. So if we could please uh, make Mr. Prondack a panelist. Welcome back, Joe. Uh, thank you, Chairman Doyle, members of the board. Uh, Ms. Fagan, Ms. DiNapoli, Mr. Milano, welcome. Uh, and yes, we're here. Uh, 
for part three of, of what is a three-part process to uh, uh, appoint a zoning administrator. Um, uh, the, the process is dictated by uh, the Zoning Act, Mass General Law, Chapter 48, Section 13. Um, in, in part one, uh, the board approved uh, some qualifications uh, for the new zoning administrator. Uh, in, in part two, the Zoning Board of Appeals um, appointed, has appointed uh, Ms. Virginia Donahue King, longtime member of the board, uh, longtime resident of Milton and, and a successful attorney. Uh, and so this process, this tonight, step three is uh, for confirmation uh, of Ms. King uh, in that position as zoning administrator. And I'm happy to answer any questions that I can. Uh, Mr. Uh, Chairman Leonard of the Zoning Board of Appeals has, of course, with his board, carefully considered uh, Ms. King's appointment. And uh, we're hoping for uh, swift confirmation. Thank you very much. Much that's most appreciated, and um, uh, Chairman Leonard wrote um, on August 29 regarding this appointment. I'll just briefly um, read a few passages from his letter. Uh, Mrs. King is a graduate of Wellesley College and Suffolk Law School. She has been a practicing attorney in the town of Milton for 29 years and has served as a town meeting member for many years. Mrs. King has served with distinction as a member of the Town of Milton Board of Appeals for over 20 years. During that time, she has considered and voted on at least 100 administrative hearings involving all aspects of the Milton zoning bylaw. She has authored numerous clear and well-written zoning decisions and has sat as chairperson on many occasions in the absence of the chairman. At all times, Mrs. King has been patient, kind, and caring in her dealings with the public. She exercises sound judgment in her decisions and is always well prepared, organized, fair, and objective in carrying out her responsibilities to the members of the public and the Board of Appeals. I wholeheartedly and without reservation endorse Mrs. King's appointment as Milton Zoning Administrator and respectfully request that the Select Board of the Town of Milton confirm Mrs. King's appointment pursuant to Massachusetts General Law Chapter 48, Section 13, respectfully submitted John S. Leonard, Chairman, Town, Milton Board of Appeals. Mr. Chair, I'll make a motion to appoint Virginia King as a zoning administrator for the Town of Milton. Second. Thank you, Mr. Wells. There's a second from Mr. Zulis. Any questions or comment? Seeing no hands raised by roll call. Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you very much. Mr. Prondack, thank you for being with us. And um, pleasure. We'll Good night, Joe. You in conveying uh, the appointment to Chairman Leonard. I will pass this along first thing in the morning. Thank you thank all. You, sir. Good night. You're very welcome. And now we will uh, turn to item agenda, agenda item rather. Number six, discussion update, Kale Scott and Associates diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy within the town of Milton. Uh, Paige Eppolito is going to uh, introduce this topic for us. Antonia, thank you for your patience. That's Katie okay, Walton. thank you. Paige? Oh yes, hi, good evening, thank you. Turn to you. 
Thank you. Um, so yes, I'm going to introduce um, Tanya Mars. She's from KL Scott and Associates, who um, will give you an update on the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion um, strategy that they had come up with for the town of Milton. Thank you, Paige and um, Chairman Doyle. I'm sorry I, I got so anxious when you pulled me in and got ready to talk about it because this is some important information here. But just to give you a little bit of information, we are uh, K.O. Scott is a, a, consult, a management consultant firm that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and belonging work through government, municipality, state, and federal. And we are excited to work with you all. We've been working with Paige and Anna Marie on what can we do to move this effort forward. We began this effort by um, launching a, um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion survey to the employees. We had about 96 employees responded, which is probably a 40% response rate, which is not bad at all. Um, and in that response, we had a couple criterias. We had four different buckets. We had the diversity, we had questions around diversity. Uh, we had questions around equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion were on a uh, Likert scale, one to five, agree to, to disagree. And then the belongings, yes and no questions. Um, we also put together some qualitative and quantitative um, data as well. We did do a focus group as well. So we have that information. And really from a high level standpoint, what we what came out of that that survey and the information that we obtained and from the document review, our current assessment is that we probably will want to recommend um, more training for this um, for the, um, the city of for Milton and also support Paige in the, the policy development around diversity, equity, inclusion. And when I say support um, policy, looking at how we're recruiting, looking at our, um, our progression policies within the organization. Um, one of the things I also want to mention um, that um, Katie has done some um, some additional work around the um, quantitative. If you want to share some of the topics that came out of that as well, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So as Tanya was mentioning, we analyzed the qualitative data from the survey. So these are the kind of open-ended comments people had sent in, um, and the themes that emerged had to do with teamwork, collaboration, leadership compensation, career development. And so using the information, those themes from the qualitative data, what we're gonna incorporate that and it is incorporated into our recommendations and the plan for, for moving forward. So we are really excited about this here because you know, anytime you do a survey, it's your benchmark, it's your current state, where are you? And then you can follow, move forward on some things that you can move the effort. I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Mr. Nicholas Molino um, getting you up to speed on how we came around the data that we we uh, captured and where we go from here. So we just want to come on and kind of meet you all and tell you what we have been doing behind the scenes. We did um, debrief the information to the department heads, um, Anna Marie and um, Paige. And so now with the recommendation, we can now be informed to push it out a little bit more. But we wanted to wait to talk to Mr. to Mr. Molino to see if he had some insight of how he wants us to do things once we catch him up on what we've done. So that's what we wanted to report out. So I guess I ask, are there any questions that anyone may have? Mr. Wells, you're recognized. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning, good morning, good evening, Tanya. 
you're better off being okay. listen, you're better off being agenda number six than public comment because <laughs> while was here and you're all set. So just with regard to training, is this something that um Kale Skull would facilitate or would you want to find this out? How would you want to proceed with Yes. We are, I'm going to be working um, closely with Paige, but we are going to facilitate the training and we're going to customize it according to what we believe that with your collaboration or with the team collaboration on the topics, we, it would be virtual. We'll probably do a management track and a staff track. Uh, we do believe that managers are ambassadors to help us move this process forward, but we also want employees to know what it is. So we're going to come from it from an awareness approach and we wanted to be interactive so people can walk away learning did i answer you. your question oh yeah okay. absolutely you did thank you very much thank you mr absolutely. chair ms musto you recognize then mr zulis thank you um and so with the trainings are there several trainings that go along with this is it a one-time training is it over a period of time? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, thank you for asking that, that question. It's gonna be a series of um, trainings. Some of the trainings that we have identified and we're gonna get them finalized. Um, we wanna do the foundations of DNI. We do wanna do unconscious bias. We do wanna talk about crucial conversations to help managers have those kind of conversations. And then we are gonna talk about probably microaggressions as well and anti-racism. Those are some of the ones that have been brought up, but we are open to cultural competency, different training. So it will be over a period of time. We're going to map that out with Paige um, over the period of time. And then we'll do a communication launch so employees can participate in it. Uh, we did recognize or talk to Paige about it, and we uh, want some of the, the training to be mandatory because in order to make changes, you want people to be a part of it. Did I answer your question? Mr. Yes, yes. Okay. I, yeah. Thank you. Any follow-up, Roxanne? I was just wondering if you foresaw, foresaw that the trainings would be like a yearly training competency kind of thing or how you envisioned I, it. One of the recommendations, that's a great question, is that from the, and that's what we talked about supporting Paige and some of the policy development and processes. We do want um, for like onboarding new employees, we do want to have a track for that. We do want to take everyone through this process and then we reevaluate the ones that we wanted were fresher courses. But for the remainder of this year and probably some parts of next year, depending on how far we get along with the training, uh, we do want this to be an ongoing process. But I do believe that onboarding new employees is great to have that as a part of the process. That's one of the recommendations, but ongoing compliance, just like we do harassment training, mm -hmm. I think this should be a part of it as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both. Mr. Zulis, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Ms. Morris, uh, Ms. Elmer, many, thank you very much for this um, start. Um, a couple of questions. One is, um, our uh, Equity and Justice for All Committee uh, prepared a report that uh, this board accepted last March, uh, and that included a draft townwide policy on DEI um, and this board did a first reading of that, but I think we we put off the, the adoption of that policy subject to your findings and subject to your feedback. And have you had the opportunity to 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 see that? And and will you be able to weigh in on that with what what you what uh, what we may do to improve it? 
Paige, was that one of the documents that we've got? I don't think we got that document. And okay. I, if you can send it to me tonight, it's early tomorrow, I would love to be able to, because we got enough quantitative and qualitative data to uh, weigh in on that. And, and it, it may, I, I can send, we can send you the, um, their committee, their final report uh, from March. Uh, they did a survey as well last fall. Um, so that might, but that was more, that was more of a resident survey. It wasn't an employee survey. Um, okay. So I think we can send you the whole report and the, the proposed policy is one of the appendices. It's the appendix. That'll be good to, yeah, to cross, to cross compare because how we came up with our data and our recommendation, we looked at three, to three things, the focus groups, the document review, which is a literary review and then the survey. And that's how we came up with our recommendation, but it would be great to see that because there may be some correlations. So I will, if you can send that to me, I'll be glad to look at that and make, I mean, wait, we can weigh in on that. Great. Thank you. Um, and then second, uh, as I read the, uh, the, uh, the initial uh, report, um, it appeared that uh, we have a lot of work to do on this. You do. And I, yes. The scores that, uh, the, the scores did not, at least to my eye, didn't read very well. So well, I wonder if you could give give us a little flavor of that. Yes. So, okay. So one of the things I would want to say is that there is no pass or fail. However, there are some opportunities. Um, the score was a little bit lower than usual. However, it could be for a number of factors. You know, some we didn't have, we only had 96 employees out of 239 participated. So that could be one. And then also it's just a benchmark as well too. And I think that we can look at, cause a lot of things we may be doing well, we just may have to communicate it a little bit different and give people access to what we are doing and, so, and, and maybe have clearer policies in place. Um, but it's not unusual to have a lower score for the benchmark because sometimes employees don't know what they're gonna do with the data. And so what we need to do after this here, once we come up with the recommendation and decide what they are, we need to go back to the employees and say, listen, we have received your, your feedback, your voice do matter. Here are some of the things that we're gonna prioritize. And then when you do another one in the future, you'll see those scores go up a little bit higher. All right, well, that, that's very helpful, thank you. And, and then, uh, you know, in conjunction with the, the report that we'll send you, uh, that committee, that advisory committee that we had made a number of recommendations that you'll see as well. So you might be able to marry some of those with, yes. with the work that you're doing. Um, and one of the recommendations is that we have a permanent committee uh, that we're gonna talk about later tonight. Uh, so you'll see that and, and you know, certainly any, any help that you can give us um, in, um, in, those, in, in, in implementing those recommendations, I think would be very helpful. So. Right, so I'll be giving Paige and, and um, Mr. Molino a copy or, or the current assessment with the recommendation. And then the next thing we do is the last piece that before we get into training, it's a solution analysis where we come up with some goals and activities so we can have something that can chart us our pathway. So we we'll, we'll, we won't jump into training just yet. We got the data for the survey, the recommendations. Then we get into solution analysis, which is here's some of the solution with some activity, almost like goal setting. Mm -hmm. And then we and then we can do that, and then we get into training. Great, thank you, thank you. Absolutely.
Arthur, you're on, you're on mute, Arthur. That was very lucky for everybody. I want to uh, thank you very much for the quality of your work, for being engaged uh, with everyone and, and recognize Paige for her role in this important endeavor. Um, we look forward to additional reports, of course, and I also want to extend a compliment uh, to all of the um, uh, staff and employees, administrators in the town of Milton who participated. As you noted earlier, we had an almost 40% response rate, and that is very positive, a very, very strong signal and sign. Um, we encourage uh, more in the future and um, invite any further comments or questions at this time. Anybody else? So thank you very much, Tanya and Katie, for being with us. Thank you for having us. And I look forward to that report, and I look forward to talking to Mr. Molino to get him up to speed on what we've done. Thank you. Have a great evening. Our next agenda item, number seven, is discussion and appointment process for equity and justice for all committee. Mr. Zulis, can we turn to you for this item, please? Uh, sure. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, back in March, uh, the board approved um, the establishment of, of a permanent advisory committee on equity and justice um, at the recommendation of the advisory committee that we had on equity and justice. And so, uh, so we have that uh, permanent advisory committee with a charge and with a proposed membership. And so now um, it comes to us to uh, populate that committee. And so the question is how to do it. Uh, my understanding uh, is that we don't have any current, um, uh, any current um, uh, volunteers uh, for the committee. And so it seems to me we need to publicize it, similar to what we did two years ago uh, when, we, when we established the advisory committee. Uh, we publicized it through the website, through an email blast. I think we, I think, I'm pretty sure we even put a, 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 um, a uh, an ad in the, the Milton Times as well in order to encourage volunteers. And, and, and so, so I think it's important to do that here, um, to publicize it in all ways that we can. And we're going to talk about the youth, youth task force uh, later on. Um, similarly, we're going to have to uh, get out and publicize that as well because we have no current um, no current applicants for for that as well. So so I, I, my view is uh, twofold. One is we need to publicize this to get some uh, applicants and uh, make people aware that we now have a permanent committee to be uh, populated. Um, and two. Um, it may be premature, but we could discuss how we want to go about um, how we want to go about appointing members of this committee. Whether we want to discuss all of the proposed members, uh, having listed them on the agenda, or if we want to delegate uh, uh, delegate to a subset of the board, uh, coming up with a slate um, from the applicants. Again, it may be premature to do that at this point since we don't have any current applicants, but that's something that we will have to. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Zulis. Mr. Wells, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just just a 
offshoot to Mr. Zulis's. Cover that we no applicants. I thought that um, we were going to appoint many of the members of the existing committee that were interested and then backfill whatever openings that may exist from there. Um, am I wrong in that? This is Ellis. Yeah, I, I think you're right, uh, Richard, but I don't know that we've had the outreach uh, to the uh, existing committee members to see who was interested in saying yes. I thought that Pat in her last meeting to us stated that they were, that there was vast interest from their existing committee to be, become the permanent committee. I, I mean, that's my memory, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I think you may be right. I just don't know. I, I don't know who the who the, the the specific members are who were interested in, in continuing. I'm just, I'm just saying this because for any of them that are home watching this, I don't want them to. Yeah. I know there's yeah. interest there, and I don't want them thinking yeah. that um, suddenly they've been erased. Yeah. So that's my that's my concern. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Chair. You're very welcome, Ms. Musto. You are recognized, and then Ms. Apolito. Um, yes, I just have a couple of comments. One is about the committee. I noticed that, um, Mike, there was a new, um, in our packet, there was a new information packet that added some language into the charge of the committee. And it also had some information about the terms. Um, and I think that we should really, we have to discuss all of that. I think that's important to discuss because it was a little bit different than the original committee language. And um, so I think we should have a, a meeting that that's on the agenda to discuss that as well as the terms. Um, I know it was mentioned two year terms and um, you know certain lengths of time. And um, I know Aaron and I are going to be meeting at some point again to look at all of these committees. As you know, we have over 90 committees. This is certainly an important one to have. Um, we're fortunate that we had KL Scott and Associates come in and they have some great ideas right now. So um, I feel like, you know, we can certainly work on this. Um, but I, I also feel that we want to get it right. So um, my, I guess, recommendation would be that we, um, we need to have some time to talk about those extra points that were in, in that description, um, certainly have the committee, but um, we also have, you know, simultaneously we have this KL Scott and, and Associates that's gonna be doing some work for us. So I think that's a good thing. So I feel like we're sort of covered, you know, in a way. But I, again, I, I think that when I read it tonight and compared it to your pre the previous charge, it is slightly different in the terms, we haven't discussed any of that. And we have a lot of committees. <laughs> so I think this is an important committee to keep. I just wanna put that out there. I'm just saying, I think we need to get it right. Thank you. Thank you. And Ms. Emily, you are nice. And then Mr. Zulis. Well, thank you, Mr. Chair. I was just going to um, uh, agree with Mr. Wells as far as um, the committee that we did have in place. Most of them did say to me once they realized we were working with KL Scott that they would like to still be involved if and when we committed to a, a permanent committee. Great news. Uh, thank you, Mr. Zulis. So, uh, so just to clarify, that updated proposal was approved and established by the board on March 9th. So that's that updated proposal was discussed. It was discussed with the equity committee, the advisory equity committee, and that was the proposal that was voted on and approved by the board 
on March 9th. So it's so it's it's not new to the board. Now, I guess the board could reconsider uh, its approval of that, but this was done in conjunction with and in consultation with the advisory committee that we had uh, we had at the time. Ms. Musto, and then Mr. Wells. Um, my thought would be that I, I didn't know that, so thank you for clarifying that, Mike, because I went onto the website and I did not see that new one on there with that new section four. So section four was approved, is that what you're saying? Um, I think it would be worthwhile where you have an, an two new members on two new members on a board to at least you know talk about it. That's all. I think we should have that opportunity. Mr. Wells. I hear Roxanne as well. I just, I'm, I'm in agreement with Pat, like going back to the March vote that Mr. Zeus refers to, my memory of this was that the existing committee or, or vast majority of them wish to buy into this or front of, you know, bring permanency to this. And I would support that strongly. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to start over, but especially for the work they've done so far. Um, that's just my thought there, so. Ms. Musto, back to you. Thank you. I, I'm not saying to, uh, to undo what's been done, um, Richard. I just wanted to look at that particular last section that was added in because that section four was not in the original one, as well as the terms for how many years people are staying on committees. Because I, I feel like we don't have any consistency on you know, like this is two-year terms or up to six years. Yeah, there's different terms, that's all. So I think it would be worth at least looking at. And again, okay. I'm not trying to undo anything except for this, at least let's look at that. Okay. And Mr. Zulis. And, and and absolutely, we can do that. Just, just with the caveat that those were direct recommendations from the committee um, for us to, those are the changes that they recommended and that we discussed with them in the meeting. Um, I, I guess uh, I guess the question is, uh, regardless of how many we have to appoint based on how many how many of the existing members are still interested, I still think it makes sense to publicize this to 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 see to generate more interest, whether it be um, whether it be just through the website and email blast or we do something with the Milton Times. I think it's important to publicize this as widely as possible so we can generate some interest in it. Thank you for those contributions, one and all. Uh, very, very helpful. Mike, helpful to you? So, so have we agreed to publicize it? Or are we, is that what we're going to do? <laughs> Mr. Chair? Mr. Wells? I, I'd be all right with publicizing it. I don't know to the point they're taking it out of the times, but my bigger concern is I really think Mr. Milano, uh, you know, someone should at least a page, someone check with the existing committee and see which members wish to remain. I, I really don't, I don't want to slight them. I mean, they stepped up and took on a task um, at a time when it was needed. And I, I just don't want to, um, I mean, I don't know all of them, but for Pat, especially I worked with that woman for over 25 years on these issues in this community. And I, um, she's watching TV, Pat, send us something, send a smoke signal, tell us you're interested in it. Like, I just, I, that, that's, I just want to, um, and for the continuity of the work they've done so far, 
you know, if we start with a brand new committee from scratch, who knows what they might want to do. So that's, that's just my own thought. I just want to make sure that we do not slight any of existing members or the work that they're doing. That's all. Other than that, as far as publicizing it, after that, I'm fine with that. Do you want to have a motion to that effect of publicization? I'll make, I'll make a motion to publicize it, but I, I'll include in, my, in the motion that we first check with the existing members to see which one they start. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Second. Second. I'll second. Thank you, Mr. Zulis. Any further discussion? I have just um, two observations, um, sort of editorializing, uh, if you will, and the third line where it reads advancing equity and justice for all with a focus on eradicating from the town of Milton. I, I thought based upon the context, there might be inserted the word inequality. Is, is that a friendly, is that a friendly amendment, Mr. Chair? It is a friendly amendment. I'll accept that. And then in the following uh, line where it says oppression, racism, injustice, and violence, um, I would suggest that and be changed to or so that it doesn't have to be interpreted by anyone or misinterpreted by anyone as all of those, but any one of them. I think Mr. Zulis has a question. I'm accepted to it, Mr. Chair. I think Mr. Zulis has a question. So, so, I, so I don't think there's a motion to to change the charge on the floor. I think there's a motion about publicizing this. If we want to have a motion to change the charge, that I think would be different. And I think that's something that Roxanne wanted to look at, um, take some time to look at. So I, I so I, I, my suggestion would be to go ahead and publicize. And then when we, when we're ready to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, have Roxanne take and, and Aaron take, take a look and perhaps uh, make suggestions, maybe make those changes at that point. That's certainly acceptable to me and consistent with what I intended. I just did not want to leave uh, the topic without making those two observations. Um, as a question. So we have a motion in a second. Any my motion, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my motion back to my initial, which is just about the second. Correct. Okay. Seeing no further comment, we'll do a roll call, Mr. Zulis. Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Um, yes, but I just have a question. Um, does it specifically have to be on the agenda? I'm just looking at our agenda. Discussion of appointment. I guess my question is for the, so we're, I have no problem advertising it and so forth, but what about the terms of the appointment? Does that, is that included in this? No, no. So it's just no, to, it's... to solicit um, people that yeah, might want to serve on it. Okay. And, and I thought doing that would be consistent with the word process. Just double checking. I just no. want to make sure. Good, good to have that raised. Thank you. So Ms. Musto voted yes and yes. Mr. Doyle will vote yes as well. Thank you. Very important discussion. Good contributions. We move to agenda item number eight, discussion and update and the partnership with Curry College and the Community Service Work Study Program. 
We'll turn to uh, Paige Epolito for that agenda item. Paige. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, in late August, um, we partnered with Curry College um, to um, advertise students for their federal uh, work study at community service um, program. And it is, um, they started back to school on August 29th. We had three departments, Council on Aging, the Cemetery and Parks and Rec. Each department came up with a job description that we put forth to Curry College to get um, students to come and work. They work about five or 10 hours a week um, for, it has to be, you know, it was, um, the program is a direct service component. So it has to benefit the Milton residents. And each one of those departments came up with um, job descriptions that Curry College approved, and they are they're now advertising with their students, and we will hopefully have those filled the work you know the academic year with the town. And next, I already have next year I have library and the planning department on board. Um, they just weren't able to get a job description together for this year. Questions. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just want to once again thank President Quigley. I've said this many times. He is clearly in his staff at Curry, uh, clearly a partner in this community in so many ways. And I just want to thank him once again for being with this community um, to make the quality of life and the opportunities for people who live here as well as his students who attend there um, always better. Thank you, Mr. Wells. I'd just like to add that once upon a time, I served as a university financial aid administrator with um, the work study program being a part of that program uh, office's portfolio. And the benefits that are realized by the students involved, uh, not only in terms of uh, their financial benefits, but their growth and development and contributions to the community can never be underestimated. And uh, we're very, very fortunate to have uh, Carrie College and Paige working together in collaboration to bring this uh, asset to our town and our citizens. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to, um, I'd just like to uh, suggest that we uh, do a formal letter to the President quickly. And, um, express the gratitude of the select board if everybody's in agreement with that. I don't think we need a vote, but a consensus to uh, move in that direction. <laughs> Thank you all. Let's move to item number nine on our agenda. This is the discussion update, family zoning requirements of the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority, MBTA communities. Um, these are the MBTA communities executed by the executive office of housing and economic development. Uh, this item was deferred from our August 23rd meeting uh, to this evening. And we have uh, with us our Director of Planning and Community Development, uh, Tim Zawinski. Welcome, Tim. And we turn the floor to you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair and, and members of the Select Board uh, for having me for this, um, th this quick update. Um, you may recall back in March, um, I did a, a, a pretty in-depth formal briefing um, of the select board on the draft guidelines that DHCD had put together 
um, for compliance with the, um, it's it's new, it's, it's not that new anymore, it's from, from last year, um, the new section 3A of chapter 40A, um, which is the Zoning Enabling Act, uh, commonly referred to as the MBTA Communities um, Zoning Law. Um, just as a refresher, um, that, that law, um, it was part of a larger um, suite of housing, um, uh, housing laws that were passed uh, under an economic development bill in 2021 and basically require any, um, any community that's in the MBTA service area, um, and that's a defined term in, in, in 40A um, <clears throat> about you know, what constitutes an MBTA community, um, is required to create a zoning district of a reasonable size um, where multifamily housing is allowed by right. Um, and there are other kind of more specific requirements in the legislation, but um, it's, it's, it's very sparse legislation. And so um, DHCD was empowered to create guidelines for compliance. Um, this board was briefed on those guidelines um, back in March. Uh, we put together a comment letter to DHCD expressing some of the concerns that we had about um, uh, some, some very sort of Milton specific issues um, with, with those guidelines, um, and we submitted those um, along with a lot of other communities, a lot of other, a lot of other um, advocacy groups, um, you know, throughout the Commonwealth. Um, over the course of the past year, DHCD has been working on final guidelines for compliance, which, um, which came out in um, the beginning of August, August 10th. They were issued by DHCD, and so I want to just take a, a little bit of time to kind of um, inform you about the changes between the draft guidelines and the final guidelines, what the implications of that of those are for Milton, and kind of talk through what the next steps are, um, you know, for our compliance with this law. Um, the um, I, I guess I'll I don't want to use the term good news bad news, but um, the news is that there's really not a ton of news for Milton. Um, e e pretty much everything that applied to to us in the draft guidelines. Um, was not really affected by the changes that were made by in, in, the, um, in, in, in the final guidelines. And, and if, if, if you're interested in, in learning a little bit more about those changes, we can talk about that later. Um, but, you know, they affect other towns that um, <clears throat> the, the, the draft guidelines had kind of lumped some towns into, um, you know, tranches of MBTA service that really kind of would have really kind of skewed their their housing numbers in a way that um, you know I think they, they kind of thought better of. Um, so if, if folks are interested, we can talk through some of those specific changes. Um, but as it relates to um, the size of the district that Milton has to create and um, the zoned capacity that we need to enable, and, and what zoned capacity means is basically, you know, in a district, you look at the parcels that you have, you look at the zoning requirements, you say, okay, in this geography, how many potential units of housing could be created. And that's the zone capacity under your by right zoning. Um, and so we're still responsible for a zoned capacity of 2,461 multifamily units. Um, we are considered to be a rapid transit community um, uh, by, by, by way of the, uh, the Mattapan trolley, um, which connects to the red line. Um, one of the one of the issues that we raise in our comment letter, um, which I think um, was the salient for a lot of communities, was you know the way that DHCD has been thinking about this is you sort of draw a half mile radius around a transit station, and your district has to be in that um, to be transit adjacent. Um, and and what we had said was you know um, our our 
our trolley line is up against the river, which is the border between us and the city of Boston. So, you know, a significant fraction of that area is either in city of Boston, in the Neponset River, or in DCR territory. And so, you know, how does that affect our ability to be able to squeeze um, a reasonably sized zoning um, one of the calculations that went into the final guidelines was a calculation of, of what they call developable area uh, within that half mile radius. And what the ACB basically determined was, you know, for, for town of Melton, yes, in any given half mile radius of any station, there's a limited area, you know, due to the location of that station. But because we've got a chain of four of them, plus a fifth one at Mattapan Square, um, we have a significant enough amount of, of what they call developable area to be able to fit in um, a good sized district. The minimum size of the district is 50 acres. We have um, something like, uh, and I'll bring up the number right now, um, 404 acres of what they consider to be developable area, which means it's not wetlands, it's not roadway, it's not DCR property, it's not the river. Um, so, so we're still on the hook for um, for, for having 50% of our zoning district within that half mile radius of any one of the four uh, spaces. Uh, what that means is 50% of the district can be elsewhere, um, which means, you know, whether it's, whether it's East Milton or Granite Ave or the west side of town, anywhere in town, half of our district can be, can be there, but half of it needs to be um, in that sort of Mattapan Trolley corridor. Uh, the two other changes to the, um, the, the the guidelines that are that are relevant that to, not only to Milton but to every community is there's a question about affordability. Um, the legislation does, is is silent on affordability. It really is about you know production of, of market rate housing, and a lot of towns you know especially towns that are susceptible to 40B, uh, you know we're concerned about you know are we allowed to do inclusionary zoning? Are we allowed to um, have an affordability component in this zoning? And what DHCB basically said was yes, but in order to prevent towns from, I'll use the term weaponizing, um, inclusionary zoning to, to actually prevent multifamily housing, they, they put a cap on the percentage of units that could be affordable um, in one of these MBTA community compliance districts. So um, we can have up to 10% of, of the units in this district be affordable. Um, which would which would keep us you know above you know our heads right at the water level of of CD, but um, we can't do over ten percent. Um, and those units have to be if they're affordable, they have to be SHI compliant. All of the various um, income limits and and everything like that that need to apply. Um, and and the other thing that that kind of was was clarifying in the in the final guidelines was um, mixed use is allowed. Um, so you could do something like requiring um, you know some type of, or, or having the option uh, to produce mixed use with, with first floor retail or second floor office or whatever. Um, the, only, the only restriction there is that um, that can be an option, but it can't be a requirement. So at the very fundamental level, you have to allow for strictly residential multifamily um, housing. And there can be an option to do mixed use. Um, and the thinking behind that is again, the demand for commercial in a given um, uh, submarket, um, may not be as strong as the demand for housing, and so um, again, if, if there are too many requirements for commercial use, then um, you know you may not actually get units produced 
um, you know, under under these guidelines. And so I, I think that the upshot of, of all of the updates is, is really um, DHCD kind of thinking really critically about how do we how do we give towns the tools to have the maximum amount of flexibility to do something that works for their individual community while also ensuring that towns are producing zoning districts that have a reasonable expectation of, of units being built. Um, so um, the, the, the next, the, the immediate next steps in, in sort of this process is um, there is a January 31st, 2023 deadline to produce what they call an action plan. Um, and that is they've produced the form. Um, I've reviewed the form. It's really pretty easy. Um, a lot of it is just informational about kind of the housing and zoning situation in your town. And really the, the kind of the meat and potatoes of the action plan is what is your plan to do community outreach? What is your plan to do, um, you know, the actual drafting of the zoning? What is your timeline for getting to town meeting? Um, they want to make sure that towns are engaging in these activities um, and have something to hold towns accountable to, um, you know, for actually, you know, doing this in, in a timely way. So uh, that's something that is, is, is really, um, you know, it's a January 31st, 2023 deadline. Um, if we're able to produce that action plan and submit it in time for that deadline, we will be compliant, we'll be considered compliant with the law for 2023. Um, you may recall that um, our compliance in 2022 um, required a, a briefing of the select board, which we did in March, and then the submission of a, a really simple informational form. Um, so we're all set for 2022. Um, we can be all set for 2023 with the submission of this, this relatively simple action plan. Um, I currently have out a, um, a grant application through um, the Executive Office of, of Housing and Community Development for, um, for technical assistance funds to, um, to get a consultant to help us um, you know, with the community outreach and the sort of the drafting strategy um, for this. Um, so my department's prepared to, to fill out this action form. What, what I need, I guess, from the select board is, um, you know, the thumbs up to go ahead, um, basically. Um, this is something, you know, there are communities out there that are really wholeheartedly embracing um, this this new law. Um, there are others that, that are a little resistant, um, you know, to doing it. The thinking being that the penalties, you know, the, the loss of grant funding um, or the loss of eligibility for certain grant funding, including MassWorks, um, is, is sort of not commensurate with what they see as the impact of, of doing one of these zoning districts. Um, I don't want to go too far out over my skis um, in terms of, of kind of taking the next, you know, baby step in this process. Um, so it would be, it would be great to have, um, you know, an affirmative kind of go ahead to put this action plan together. Um, and, and to utilize, you know, hopefully we get the grant um, and, and, and have the ability to go out and get a consultant to help us with the drafting. Um, what, what I'll say is that, you know, it's, it's the law, um, so, so there's that. I, I'm trying to focus on, on sort of the positive opportunity for the town of Milton here. Um, there is a lot to, to be gained, I think, from doing this in a really good faith and, and kind of deliberate way. Um, I think that looking at our land use regulations and using this MBT community's legislation as a tool to kind of look at our, our zoning, um, you know, can have positive implications for, for tax revenue, um, positive implications for climate change resilience. And the next 
item on the agenda is a discussion of the work that we're doing on that. I think it has the potential to have really positive implications for equity and affordability, um, which I think if you know if you reviewed the report of the Equity and Social Justice for All Committee, which, which everyone obviously has, it's a really big part of their report. And I think that um, land use regulation has a really strong role to play in that. So I think it's, it's, it's a really positive opportunity if we embrace it and really try to do it right and figure out how it can work best for Milton. Um, I do wanna focus on, on those positive implications. Um, but, but what I will say is, is, you know, in the discourse around this legislation, like I said, there are certain towns that are just sort of, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze on this. And then, you know, we don't think that there's gonna be compliance. And, and what I would caution about that attitude, and, and we haven't heard a lot of that here in Milton, which I think is very positive. Um, I think people have been, you know, really trying to kind of, um, you know, figure out what the best way to do this is and, and waiting for the final guidelines. Um, but I think, you know, we just saw yesterday an election where, um, you know, barring, you know, unforeseen circumstances, I think we're gonna have a new, um, a new governor in, in Maura Healy and a new attorney general in Andrea Campbell, um, both of whom have, have centered housing and affordability and housing justice as really significant parts of their platform. Um, you know, and you know, we've also had, you know, commentary from the executive director of the Massachusetts Housing Partnership, which is a quasi-public agency that um, collaborated very closely with DHCD on, um, you know, the production of these guidelines basically coming out and saying, you know, be careful um, if you're out there and, and, and considering, you know, non-compliance with this legislation. Um, it's a statutory mandate and the consequences of this is a quote from Clark Ziegler, who's the executive director. The consequences of non-compliance will certainly extend beyond loss of a few state grants. Um, it's a little bit of a kind of a wild card as to what any new administration is gonna, what approach they're gonna take towards non-compliance. But I think um, we really do need to make a good faith effort at this. Um, again, for those very positive reasons, um, you know, for the, the opportunities for, for growth and development in our community, but also, you know, to, to stay on the right side of the law on, on, on this. So that's my update. Happy to answer any more specific questions. And, and I think coming out of this, you know, just either either the okay or, or the commitment to further discussion of, of the okay of, of pursuing, um, the submission of an action plan for, um, for compliance. Uh, thank you, Tim. And I'd like to open the floor by recognizing our receipt today uh, from the Affordable Inclusion Milton, a um, um, recommendation that um, we move ahead with drafting um, an action plan so that Milton can stay on schedule. Mr. Wells, you're recognized. You're on mute, Richard. Okay. And, um, I'm, uh, I got it. All right. And thank you, Tim. And I just, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Um, you know, 2,000 units in the town of Milton, particularly along, I mean, tell me where I'm wrong here, Tim. Just, I just, because I want to be very out forthright here. I mean, you and I know that the stations are Milton, Valley, Capon, Mattapan. Which one did I forget? Yeah. Central Ave. Yeah. Central Ave. And so you're talking that entire Elliott Street corridor as well as all the streets along Valley Oak, 
Waldo, Columbine Road, Allen Circle, um, Cliff Road, Hinkley Road, Hawthorne, Brandon, Willoughby, and Curtis. Am I correct? No. That's that's about all of them, yeah. Yeah. I did pretty good, huh? Um, so, I mean, you, you, 2,000 units would really, I mean, we've, as you know, we've been dealing with the affordable, I think we have 700 units before us over the past five years I've been here anyway. Um, 2,000 units would, particularly in those neighborhoods, would clearly alter forever the layout and the appearance of and the quality of life of what those mm -hmm. neighborhoods would become given to what they are today, correct? Um, I mean, the only way to do this so, would be, so if I'm developer Jones and I want to develop and I buy four houses on Valley Road, say, which is a dead end, which abuts the station. And then I buy those, because the only way to get it, it's almost exclusively, I mean, you tell me, would you agree with me? It's 95% single family homes? Yeah, it's it's I mean, there's there's a smattering of, of two families in there, but I mean, we've all but, we've all driven up Elliott Street. We know, um, you know what the what the look and feel. Right. Is. So there well, are apartment buildings there. Smattering with I give it smattering, but I give it with a small less. So having owned a two families home and this stuff, so that they are hard to find. Um, I mean, two thousand units would change, would almost would force this community to have to go to like a city form of government. The impact on schools, public safety, public works, everything would just be. I mean, we, we look at the pushback we get just on the on the affordable projects and, and the affordable projects that have been presented to us. I mean, Lula, Cantnap, Russia Road. I mean, you're talking historic pieces of this community and transforming them into. And I get it. I mean, I, I get that on the on the 40B. So now you're taking 40B and you quadruple it. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about. It. I mean, we've gotten two mass work grants in my life here, and one of them wasn't even for us. It went to Holt's Bond Improvements, which is really a DCI mass work grant. Um, for those people who live in these neighborhoods, this is dramatically going to change. They like the appearance of their neighborhoods and, and from a community perspective, you know, well, you look at overrides now, what will happen then? Just that's, that's my concern. I just, this is dramatic. I'm just really big. So. No. And, and I don't think, I, I don't think there's any denying uh, you, nothing that you said is, is, out of line or out of left field or, or something that, that everyone isn't really thinking of um, and, and it's totally, um, you know, absolutely valid. What I, what I, what I would say is, and, and this is, you know, why I think it's important to, um, to, to, to get the professional help from, from legal and zoning experts um, and, and really kind of take a really close look at, you know, what would implementation actually look like? And one thing that I'll say is there's, there's sort of two things that I think we have going for us. Um, one, of, one of which is that half of, you know, that zone capacity, um, when we say 2,400 units, um, if not a single unit gets built, we are still complying with the law. And I think one, you know, the, the, the point of the law is to sort of 
loosen up regulations to encourage building. But I don't think anyone anticipates that, you know, there will be, you know, this flood of, of hundreds of no, new units on Elliott Street in, in a single year or even a five-year period. I think there's an understanding, because again, this is a regional kind of law. Um, there's going to be a lot of building going on everywhere. And so it's, it, there, there is an element of it being spread around. But on a, on a sort of individual community level, um, you know, only half of that zone capacity needs to be in that sort of Elliott Street corridor. Um, we can choose anywhere else in town that we might think is appropriate for, um, you know, so, so, so there is an element of, of being able to spread that around. And the, re the reason I say that is because, and, and I raised this concern during my original briefing, um, you know, I raised the concern, you know, in, in our comment letter, um, the, the parcelization that we have in the Elliott Street corridor is, is really the original zoning that we had in town, 5,000 square foot lots. Um, you know, with single family, sometimes two family houses on it. So it, it's really not an area where you think of, you know, oh, this would be a really appropriate area for big apartment building. Um, the, the thing that we, we have going for us is multifamily is defined as three units or more. So, you know, just the, the sort of quick and dirty math on this area is, you know, if you allowed three units on a 5,000 foot lot, that's obviously a lot more than is currently zoned for or currently exists, but it's not another Hendry's building. Um, you exceed 15 units per acre with that. Um, and so that is a way to sort of create zoning that, you know, will obviously affect the density, will have, obviously have impacts, but won't have those dramatic sort of really acute, you know, huge impacts that a bigger multifamily building would have. And quite frankly, we don't have, we don't have the parcels in this area for larger buildings. Um, so if we wanted to rack up units on a larger parcel with sort of, kind of more traditional multifamily buildings, we would need to look elsewhere. Um, you know, and again, you know, Granite Ave, East Milton, Randolph Ave, you know, Blue Hill Ave, Blue Hill Parkway, these are all, you know, the, the, the town is, you know, it's wide open for half of that district. And so, you know, there's really, you, you have a lot of latitude to create sub-districts that are kind of more appropriately geared to the parcelization and the neighborhood character you have. But but again, you know, you're not wrong. Um, it is dramatic. It's a lot of units. Um, and, and it's something that I think we need to kind of really like think deliberately about. I'm thinking. Thank you. Oh, Arthur, you're on mute. All right, we're going to reverse it. Ms. Pastor, you're recognizing that. Mr. Well, I put my hand up and Mike was before me. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, These frames keep moving and that's... <laughs> well, I have a couple of concerns about the zoning. So I know, Tim, that you had mentioned that it's, you know, 2,400 units approximately, right? So it sounds like your thought is, oh, we that we should prepare for it. But my thought is, the flip side is that we, although it may not get built up, we have to anticipate that it would happen. Meaning that if we have, if we go with this kind of um, MBT's, MBTA zoning that um, allows for 2,400 units for us to say that we'll put these zones in and we'll be compliant and we sort of check the box, we can't assume that it's gonna be that we're checking the box and nothing's gonna get developed. Meaning that we, that that could get developed, right? 
Um, I'm wondering, number one, what are other towns around us doing? So what are some of the towns in the suburbs doing that are affected? I'm sort of curious if you've had any conversations with any of the planners um, around the area to find out how they're handling it. Um, and, you know, again, I'm concerned about this because of how this will change these these areas and congest areas more than they already are. Um, and I'm with Richard on this. It's it'll forever change these these areas of town. And even if you, you know, have the the housing down by Cape Inn and and Elliott Street and putting them elsewhere, it's still changing the character of the town. So. I guess my question is first, have we talked to any of the other town planners near us to sort of get a sense what they're doing um, and how they're tackling this? And my second question is, if you get this kind of a technical assistance grant, what exactly will it do? And is it something that you have to go with in terms of if you get the grant, does that mean you have to apply um, that you're going to do this? Or is it sort of more informational to see how this would happen? Uh, so that, those are two good questions. So thank you. So um, I, I think um, a lot of towns are still kind of in, in our stage of kind of digesting things and, and having their own internal conversations. One thing that I will say is that, again, Mass Housing Partnership uh, is kind of, you know, a partner in, in helping me to be, um, draft these guidelines is holding a series of, of informational webinars about um, how to achieve compliance. Um, I think a lot of planners in the region are going to be involved in those conversations. And so I think that's going to be a kind of a clearinghouse for discussion um, among, you know, other towns about how they're approaching compliance. Um, so I'll, I, I'm, I'm signed up for all of them. Um, I'll be at the one tomorrow um, and, and I'll be continuing to reach out to other towns uh, to kind of see, you know, what their approach has been. But I think, you know, my, 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 my instinct right now is that, you know, folks are still kind of huddling up and, and trying to kind of digest um, you know, the guidelines. Um, as it relates to your second question, um, you know, about the technical assistance grant, ultimately what we're talking about is adopting zoning. And we've, we've done, we've done it a hundred times before. Um, it's town meeting. Town meeting has to adopt zoning. Um, and then you back into that process of there's a planning board hearing. There is, you know, a community outreach process by which, um, you know, we, we sort of reach out to, to stakeholders who are impacted by the potential zoning. And, you know, in some cases we have professional help to help us, you know, draft this. And so really what the technical assistance grant is, is really to sort of pay a consultant to come in, help us convene stakeholders and kind of, you know, take their input into account and, and really do a lot of the technical work around, um, you know, all of the technical aspects of zoning, setback requirements, heights, floor error ratio, you know, all of those things. Um, ultimately, when, when, when you say, you know, do you have to go along with it or is it, it's up to town meeting, um, you know, and so if, if you want to sort of put together zoning, you know, my, my, my take here is that we need as much help as we can get and we need as much professional guidance as we can get. Because what I'll, what, what I'll say is, is that um, there's going to be an article at town meeting um, whether the planning board puts it forward or the select board puts it forward or 10 residents in town who care about this issue, put it forward. There's going to be a town meeting article. Um, I, I suspect that there are at least 10 residents that, that want to see this, you know, go forward. And so, you know, my, my, my take here and my sort of my, my kind of advice is we should take it seriously. We should get the help that we need and we should try to put together you know, the most um, comprehensive and thoughtful article that we can 
rather than having town meeting deal with potentially a citizen's petition article that the department, the planning board, the select board have very little control or, or input in. Um, so hopefully hopefully that answers your question. It's up to town meeting to, to take or leave whatever we come up with. Ms. Mustard, do you have a follow-up? Um, yes, I'm just wondering, Tim, are you discussing this with the planning board in terms of how an article, if they do that, would come through or, or what's the process, I guess? Yeah, so I, I, I've given the planning board um, a similar briefing um, to the one um, mm -hmm. I, I gave tonight. Um, the, the guidelines came out and we had a planning board meeting like the next day. Um, so I was able to kind of give a really sort of immediate briefing to them. Um, they will be they will be involved. Um, you know, it is ultimately it's zoning. And so um, one way or the other, it's going to go through the planning board. Um, you know, but 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 again, like I said, um, you know, as we go through this process of, of discussing, you know, what the best way to do this is, I can't speak for the planning board. I don't know if they're going to say thumbs up, let's do it, or we don't want to do it. Um, but but I guess my my characterization to tonight is that one way or the other, whether it's the planning board or the select board or a group of residents we should be getting ahead of, of putting language together and, and doing the analysis um, and, and really sort of drilling down into, into you know, community outreach and, and, and really a smart strategy for this. Um, so, you know, the planning board doesn't yet have a standing item on their agenda on this, although I suspect they might, um, you know, because it is a big issue and, and, and they're gonna be involved um, as much as they, um, they think it's appropriate to be involved. Because I think, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's probably the best course of action for the planning board to handle um, zoning articles. And so, um, you know, they're, they're kind of doing, you know, what we're doing tonight and, and kind of mulling these things over, reviewing the guidelines. Um, I anticipate there'll be a future agenda item where they start to strategize about what, they, um, you know, what their position and what their, their tactics are gonna be. Thank you, Mr. Zulas. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so um, um, it strikes me that we're not at that point yet, at the zoning point. What, the point we're at here is um, preparing a draft action plan to comply with the statute. And our planning director has come to us for direction on whether to prepare a draft action plan for us to see what this would look like and to, to, to determine whether it would be submitted by January 31st. And so it seems to me that um, it's appropriate for, for us to do that. So I'm gonna make a motion to direct the planning director to, um, to draft a, prepare a draft um, action plan pursuant to chapter 48, section 3A. Thank you, Mr. Solis. Roxanne? I just had a quick question I wanted to ask Tim before we do that, if that's possible. Um, Tim, so how long would it take if we decided to go with the um, technical assistance grant and how long would it, like, once we, if one was approved, how long would that take? And um, when are these meetings with other town planners that you're talking about? So, so the, the specific, um, kind of seminars with, with the Mass Housing Partnership, I, I think are happening bi-weekly starting tomorrow. Um, and then they're sort of topic-based about, um, you know, different aspects of zoning and different aspects of compliance. So th those are happening, um, you know, th those are happening starting tomorrow. And, and, and I think there's nine of them scheduled over the next few weeks. 
Um, in terms of you know my outreach and correspondence with other other town planners, um, that's more informal. Um, so it's something that I, I've started to kind of poke around a little bit. Um, if I, I, I'm certainly definitely interested in in what other towns are, are kind of thinking, so I will I can I can absolutely kind of ramp up those discussions um, and that outreach to kind of see you know what what other what other towns are strategizing about. Um, in terms of the, the the sort of the timeline of you know utilizing the, the technical assistance and and kind of you know doing the, the drafting of the zoning. The, the deadline for compliance, so I said the action plan is necessary for compliance in 2023. The deadline for, for future indefinite compliance is, um, is the end of the year 2023. So uh, effectively, we need to have a um, zoning passed that is compliant um, by December 31st, 2023. So effectively by fall town meeting um, of 2023, if we, if we decide to have one. So, you know, my, my, my goal would be to kind of follow that and, and sort of back into a schedule of, again, community outreach, drafting, readings at the planning board, um, you know, readings at the select board, if the select board's interested in being involved at that point, um, you know, to, to effectively prepare an article for a fall town meeting in 2023. Now, what I'll say is um, December 31st, 2023 rolls around and we don't have a, a, a zoning district approved. You know, the town doesn't turn into a pumpkin. It just means that we're not compliant. We can't, um, you know, apply for, for MassWorks or other grants. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know what the new administration is gonna do, you know, in terms of pursuing other means of, of compliance. At that point, but I think you know again, if, if we're showing a good faith effort of you know trying to put something together and it just doesn't happen, you know, by a fall town meeting in 2023, you know, I, I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think the demonstration of progress is going to be something that. That's so the specific answer to the question is I'm trying to back into a timeline that gets us to a fall town meeting, um, and so you know a lot of that work would, would probably wind up happening, you know, in the sort of the winter, spring, early summer. Um, you know, to get an article prepared. Ms. Musto. So I guess my thought process would be knowing those dates, would it be possible that we don't vote this today? We put it on maybe for our next meeting or the subsequent meeting once Tim has a little bit more time to find out a little bit more about what some of these other communities are doing just to get a sense. Um, it sounds like we're talking about deadlines in 2023. I know we need time to do this. But I don't, I mean, I don't see it on as a, on our agenda that we're voting on this. And, you know, now we're, I just want to have time to sort of think about it a little bit as well and get, you know, have Tim get a little bit more information from some of the surrounding communities. Um, you know, maybe there's some creative ideas out there. Thank you. And I know you're going to a lot of these meetings, Tim, you said, uh, bi-weekly, it sounds like. So, I mean, in, you know, another two weeks, for instance, you'll probably have more information. Um, that would be my suggestion. Thank you to consider. Motion on the floor for Mr. Zulis. Um, Mr. Zulis, would it be acceptable to you uh, to um, move to the uh, September 20th meeting? Or um, would there be a problem with that? Yeah, Mr. Chair, we've had a request from a department head to, uh, to get some direction. And I think we, we owe it to the department head to give him some direction. We're talking about um, directing him to prepare a draft, not submit anything, 
but to prepare a draft and to begin the process of preparing a draft. So it seems to me that, uh, that there's certainly no harm in, in, in going down that route and that it's, it's a route we should go down because um, January 31st, 2023 is gonna come up very soon. Uh, and if Tim wants to, is planning this, so he wants to get started on a draft, seems to me two weeks could be very important. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue with it right now. Thank you, Mrs. Zulis. Ms. Busto. Yes, um, I understand that. I just was wondering though, Tim, you know, is two weeks gonna make a huge difference um, on this process? It seems to me that, you know, I would, I really would like to know what some of these other communities are doing and how they're tackling it. It sounded to me initially too, that a lot of these mass grants that communities received, there's only a handful that were receiving them and Milton really wasn't receiving them. So that's why I wanna see what these other communities are doing. Some, and the other thing is, is there a possibility that they may even give extensions past these dates? We don't know that, but we should be prepared for the dates that they've set forward. I understand that. Um, and uh, Mr. Zulis, I don't, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have, you know, uh, go for this grant and doesn't mean that we're um, obligated by it by any means. I understand that. I'm just trying to get a sense of what some of the other communities are doing. And, and I'm just wondering if two weeks makes a big deal on that, that's all. Zulis. You know, Tim can certainly come back and report to us what he learns during those two weeks, but that doesn't, that doesn't stymie him from, from beginning the process that he has asked us to begin here. And so it seems to me that there's certainly no harm and it could be very helpful to our department head if we, if we accede to the request. So Mr. Zulis, would you um, repeat your motion so that everybody clearly understands it in the context of this discussion, please? Sure, it's a motion to direct the planning director to move ahead to, to prepare a draft action plan pursuant to chapter 48, section 3A. Thank you, Mr. Zulis. Um, and I have a question for uh, Mr. Zawinski, uh, the technical assistance is what you're going to be seeking uh, to support the work of that draft. Is that? Yeah, that's correct. That, that was, um, we, we submitted a, a grant application for that um, back in um, early August. Um, again, anticipating that, um, you know, the, the DACD through through a lot of their kind of grant programs is, is prioritizing support to communities um, to draft FEK community zoning. So um, we wanted to make sure that we were in the mix, um, you know, for that. So that is something that the mechanism for that would be, you know, if if and if and when we, we get the grant, we're crossing our fingers, we think we have a good application. Um, you know, we would use that funding to procure a consultant, um, you know, that, that would be able to help us, um, you know, draft zoning um, with, with, you know, community outreach and, and kind of technical analysis of, so, um, you know, we wanted to be in the round um, to be considered because if, if um, you know, January rolls around and, and, you know, we don't have that, then we're kind of, we're kind of on our own, either using our own budgetary resources or we're kind of going it alone, um, you know, with just kind of the department resources. Um, so that's, that's not connected to the action plan submission. The action plan submission is, um, is, is really kind of an interim step to, to maintain interim compliance with the law 
um, because the, the actual deadline for the zoning is until the end of 2023. So, um, they try to set these milestones, the actual plans of zoning. Um, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to make sure that we hold, they hold towns accountable um, for permitting the project. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So to Mr. Zulis's motion, if, if this would have passed and if Tim were to do this, this would mean that we support this, correct, Tim? You'd, you'd, be, you'd be making the application based on the fact that the select board supports this, correct? I, um, I, I, I don't- I don't, I don't know how you I, write it without- I wouldn't, I, I you know, I, I can't, if you if you support it or don't support it, I, I think really what, what what the submission of the action plan is is just taking a step in a process because I think ultimately again, what all of this is about is passing or not passing zoning. Um, and and I think you know once that zoning is drafted, the select board will have an opportunity to to be a part of that process to support it or not support it. Um, I, I think that um, you know. Uh, I, I would not foreclose the possibility that we're able to put together zoning that is acceptable to, to, to every, well, not everybody, but broadly acceptable, um, you know, and, and so I think the submitting the action plan is, is really just kind of, I don't think, I, I wouldn't go and wave that around as, you know, the select board supports MBTA community zoning, because quite frankly, we haven't written anything yet. Um, and so it, it's kind of a gating issue of getting to the point where we can get a process of, of writing zoning together um, and, and really collaborating on something that we all think can, can help the town. And so um, I, I wouldn't, you know, if, I, I wouldn't interpret it as, as kind of any kind of explicit, you know, expression of support because there's really not anything to support right now. The, the motion that's on the floor is to support a draft. The draft is not a commitment to go forward with the action plan. Director. Mr. Chair, I, did, I have a follow-up to my question. I didn't, that was part one of my question, so I just- Okay, I'll go back. I, I just, Tim could- Go ahead, go ahead. You, you, Tim, you can answer and then I'll continue. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think if, if that's the way that the board wants to proceed, I mean, I, I, I was intending again, you know, to, to put together a draft of this plan um, and, and and bring it back to you all, um, you know, at, at the earliest convenience, so that so that you know you can have a kind of a, a, a more detailed series of discussions about you know whether or not um, you know you want to submit it, <laughs> um, you know. So I really think kind of breaking it up into those steps of just you know, yeah, I, I think putting it together is 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 a, is a is a half kind of step, and then the full step is do we want to submit it to DACD or do we not want to submit. It's a very helpful clarification. Back to you, Mr. Wells. Okay. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Tim. And Tim, I, this is just my final point. I, I, look, I, you know me as far as trying to support the employees and everything they do, and I, I know how hard you work for this community. But as we sit here and talk, and as, as the work from your office and so many other committees in this community is that as we sit here and talk tonight, there are individuals who look at this through a different lens. It's going to be a lens of profit. You know, this is going to be opportunity for certain developers to be able to come and do this. I think for all of us who are on this board and for my colleagues who are no longer on this board, I think when we saw one developer come in and buy a four significant parcels in this community without anyone knowing anything about it, I think would be ignorant of us to think that that won't happen again and that those attempts to do that won't happen again. And that's 
brings me back to my previous comments about, I think we need to be very vocal about that people need to do this instead of, I mean, we all, we see what happens with every project every you know, you go to the planning board, you go to the ZBAs, you know what, you know what it's like, it's just, and this is going to be a by, and, and I think that I want it to be on the record that people know that there will be developers sitting there tonight use, looking at this legislation is like, yep, this is a way for me to make some dough right me. And I get that, but so to that point, and I will second Mr. Um, if that's what we're gonna do, I'll second Mr. Zulis's motion. The motion is made and seconded. Mr. Zulis, you are recognized and then Ms. Musto. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to make clear, and I think now it's clear, the motion is not to, to approve the action plan or submit the action plan, it's to begin to prepare it. And, and um, it, it seems to me that part of the problem that Richard alluded to was many years this, this community did not prepare for affordable housing, it did not manage uh, affordable housing, and then that left us at the will of 40B developers. So, so when we have an opportunity here at the, at the behest of our planning director, to begin to prepare something that we subsequently can approve and submit, I think it's a good idea to do so, and we shouldn't lose any time in doing that. So, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Ms. Musto, you're on mute, Roxanne. That's okay. You All follow right. my bad example. <laughs> um, I wanted to thank Tim for clarifying a few things there, and for also uh, Mr. Zulis explaining how this would be just preparing something, but not necessarily that we're voting it because I think that needs more discussion. Um, so clearly I think that's fine and I would support that. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Musto. And um, I'd just like to uh, close the discussion by adding that um, my professional training and strategic planning suggests that the more information that you have it's close to total information you have, the better your decision making is going to be and the better people upon whom you rely or who you serve can be informed to make their input as well. Um, also, I'd just like to add that if we're going to be going out for technical assistance, uh, we aren't going to be going out alone and there's going to be competition for that. And we want to have the opportunity to get uh, the right technical assistance uh, for the draft. So um, with that said, um, we have a motion from Mr. Zulis. It's seconded by Mr. Wells. Is there any further discussion? Seeing no hands, we'll call vote. Mr. Zulis. Yes. Mr. Wells. Yes. Ms. Musto. Yes. Mr. Doyle. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Zulinski. We go on now to item number 10 on the agenda. Discussion briefing, Commonwealth of Massachusetts fossil fuel ban demonstration program by Milton's Office of Planning and Community Development and the Department of Public Works Environmental Coordinator. I know we have uh, Mara with us. Oh, we did. Is she going to be joining you, Tim? There she is. Okay. And uh, is Josh joining also? Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. filling in for Josh. Um, okay. He has... Uh, class right now. Um, so, um, but I, I, I want to just sort of start off by saying that um, Josh and Mira are really the stars of, of this show. Um, so I'm going to kind of lead off with, with a few kind of introductory things and, and Mira is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, the, the specific agenda item here is, is, is a discussion of the um, 
the Commonwealth's fossil fuel ban demonstration program. Um, we are kind of going to sneak in um, a, a broader kind of briefing on all of the um, climate change and, and green building work that um, both my department and the engineering department through Mira, the environmental coordinator, have been working on. So um, appreciate the, the indulgence on that. Um, so just I, I've got some some bullet points um, that, that Josh prepared and, and Mira's got. Mira, do you have do you have a slideshow that um, runs through all this? So um, if Mira, if you can share your screen. Um, and welcome, Mira. It's great to have you with us again. Is that the first slide, Mira? I think that's not. Uh, the one I have is uh, starting with sustainability summary. Or yes, there you go. Okay. So, um, so, so here's here's the kind of a rundown of of the work that 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 we've been doing. Like I said, like a collaboration between planning and the engineering department. Um, uh, Josh and Mira have, have really been um, the, the driving forces here. I have I hopefully effectively managed Josh in his, in his work, and that's my contribution. Um, but starting off with the Building Electrification Accelerator. Um, so this is a, a, a coalition of around 30 municipalities that are interested in decarbonization efforts, um, including the 10 municipalities that were really the driving force behind this fossil fuel ban uh, demonstration project. Just by way of background, um, this was um, uh, the, the recent climate bill that was passed enabled a, a pilot program for up to 10 communities to um, that are interested in banning um, fossil fuel connections in, in, in new development to, um, to pass laws that, that would that would effectuate that. Um, there are already 10 communities that have um, submitted home rule petitions to the legislature to uh, allow them to, to pass laws that ban fossil fuels. Um, the Building Electrification Accelerator is, is led by um, two individuals that were um, instrumental in Town of Brookline and Town of Arlington's um, you know, efforts in, in this regard. And, and basically what this accelerator is, is um, just a group of communities kind of providing support and resources to each other um, who are interested in, in sort of writing their own home rule petitions. Um, to potentially be a part of this program. So um, we have been attending those meetings um, just to kind of be in the loop um, on, 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 on this. Um, there's been a little bit of interest um, from certain members of the select board, certain members of the community on, you know, what is the possibility of Milton kind of being able to be one of these communities um, to potentially um, ban new fossil fuel hookups. Um, so we've been, we've been in the loop on that, um, utilizing the resources that have provided that group. One thing that I'll say is um, it, it, it's it's an uphill climb for Town of Milton. Um, these 10 other communities have, have a real head start on us. Um, the legislation allowing this program was kind of tailored to, to their efforts. Um, you may have seen recently City of Boston, which is not one of the original 10 um, communities, kind of muscled in and, and wants to be one of them. Um, but a couple of the things that are in the legislation that I think um, are going to have to, you know, we're going to have to contend with um, are um, 
you have to be 40B compliant. Um, so that's either safe harbor through 10%, safe harbor through the one and a half percent land um, count, temporary safe harbor through a housing production plan, which we have currently, but, but won't have in, in about a year and a half. So I'm, I'm actually, I, I like a little clarification on how that's gonna work. Um, and then there are a, a number of really kind of detailed reporting and analysis requirements that um, we currently don't have. Um, you know, we're in the process of trying to figure out how to how to get um, you know some of those resources to do um, the the data collection that would be that would be necessary. Um, so, you know, we can we can continue to to, to look into you know the possibility of this. We're going to continue to participate in the accelerator program uh, because again, it's you know periodic meetings between um, you know some of these communities. That, you know, even if we aren't able to pursue a home rule petition to be to be one of these ten communities, I think it's still a good resource for us to sort of learn some of the tips and tricks that other communities are doing. Um, I didn't even read the slide there, um, so hopefully that's <laughs> that's all there. Um, Mary, you can go on to SoulSmart designation. So um, SoulSmart is a um, you, you can see a Department of Energy program that provides technical assistance um, to, to reduce barriers to solar development. Um, you know, we wanna have solar um, as a renewable energy source. I think that's something that we've been very interested in and, and really proactive in, um, you know, through the Green Communities Program. And, um, you know, all the credit in the universe goes to Bill Ritchie, the Director of Consolidated Facilities, who's been, you know, really a, a winter soldier on this stuff in terms of getting us Green Communities grants and, and getting us these, these solar arrays over the course of the years. Um, SoulSmart is gonna be a part of sort of Green Communities 2.0, um, which is an update to the Green Communities program that um, the state Department of Energy is, is currently putting together. Um, so we are in the process of working with consolidated facilities and the building department um, to get towards um, SoulSmart designation. And there, if you're familiar with the LEED program, for instance, um, which is for a green building, um, it's kind of similar to that, where there are different categories of, of things that you need to do to get different certifications. So, Mira, are you looking at gold designation or silver? So we did talk to um, Joe Prondek, and he mentioned that the uh, one part that you have to get to gold with is a three-day turnaround. And he mentioned that with his staffing, it's really not possible to have a three-day turnaround. So we're looking at silver mostly. Yeah, so so we're actually in 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 with, with the regulations we have and with um you know the, the policies that we have in place, we're actually in in pretty good shape um you know for silver designation, which is pretty good. Um and and you know to, to what Mira just said, um it, it's a really ambitious turnaround for permitting solar projects, um three days. Um maybe maybe we'll get there. Um, but I think we're still in good shape for for, for silver designation. And again, that's gonna be really important. Um, for our continued status as a green community. Um, you know, just one thing I'll say about green communities is um, Milton has really embraced that program in a very big way. I think it's it's a real feather in our cap. Um, they they recently, it was a year or a year and a half ago, um, you know, created new green communities guidelines, created a, a whole new category of town. Um, we're actually not allowed to get as much money as we've gotten in the past green communities because we've been so successful in getting green communities grants and, and using that program. And so they've kind of said, you know, Milton saves some gas for the other towns, um, which, you know, is, is not the greatest, but it also I think is a reflection of our 
our real great embrace of that program. And so we want to make sure that we're in the mix for, for the, the any new um, regulations that come out um, in that. Shamira, do you want to go, uh, I, I think your slideshow kind of goes into some of your um, your items here. So you can go ahead and, and take the lead here. Uh, just to give him due credit, Josh and I have been working on all of this. So some of these is, a lot of this is also him. Um, and I also thanked him for taking over for him. Um, so this is a Winter Valley Solar Project. And uh, after the MVP grant, which again, kindly the select board uh, gave us funding for, um, but was not at the end of the day successful. But uh, Winter Valley reached out actually afterwards for, um, and they had an interest in a larger scale solar project throughout their community, especially to lower um, electricity costs. So Josh and I met with the activities director, Liz O'Rourke, um, Tuesday. And uh, we started talking about how this could be a really good opportunity for different types of solar development. And um, it could actually be a microgrid network with Winter Valley. MAPC's Accelerating Climate Resiliency Grant has funded something like this in the past in Chelsea and um, could be a potential funder for this. And so right now we're pursuing the initial requirements and seeing if it's applicable. And we're looking at an expression of interest, which would help us um, see if this is again applicable. Uh, this is mostly um, on my side. It's the solid waste portion of environmentalism, essentially. So we're looking at a um, residential organic program. We looked into a couple different vendors and then we looked into a municipal program, but it ended up being that the best solution would be to do a black earth preferred vendor system. Um, so for this, the town would be essentially just promoting black earth to residents. And then after we reach 300 subscriptions, all the residents have a 30% reduction in price. And right now the price is about $18 per month. So it would drop to 1250. Then um, we, I'm starting a PSA program for Milton Access TV. And for the yearly grant to fund a lot of our solid waste program, including ordering new carts, um, I'm trying to explain concepts like reduce, reuse, recycle in order to get more points for that grant. And so the this first video um, was just kind of showing textile um, disposal. I don't know why I can't move forward. Um, but it was just talking about textile disposal and where the bins are. I'm hoping in the future to work with Glover and Elementary actually to um, include students in some of the videos so that it's educational for them as well. And you know, parents might wanna watch their kids doing stuff like this instead of me. Um, the other thing is that some of you may know that Milton has been in the MS4 program, the Municipal Separate Storm Sewer System Permit for about 20 years. And um, this is just to keep stormwater clean and free of pollutants and sewage, as well as prevent a lot of flooding. This year, we conducted a review of zoning codes and regulations to see just how feasible it is to incorporate green infrastructure in our subdivisions and zoning codes. Um, the conclusion is it wasn't entirely friendly to natural ways of cleaning and dispersing stormwater. And there are definitely ways we can improve. Um, the engineering department is actually trying to incorporate these best management practices into our road improvement projects so that it's more of a um, first nature instead of a second thought. So this would be a long-term project of making Milton a little bit greener and using these creative and environmentally friendly ways of dealing with the flooding and uh, pollutants. This is a... Um, 
a little bit of a mishmash of our climate efforts, including the greenhouse gas inventory, the, the um, air quality sensor grant, and the climate town meeting article. The greenhouse gas inventory, when we came and uh, talked to you about the MVP program, we also requested 25,000 to um, uh, do a greenhouse gas inventory of Milton and find out what our footprint was. Um, since it didn't go through, we did talk to the same contractors and consultants and ask them if they would still be willing to do that greenhouse gas inventory, even if we didn't have the whole program, which they said they would. Um, so originally we had used the ARPA funding. Um, now we're trying to get funding from other sources. We looked into the Copeland Foundation, um, so are requesting their support and are also looking into other ways of doing that. Then um, the Mass DEP had a grant um, for the air quality sensors. So Purple Air is a real-time quality map that has a presence, as you can see, all over the world. And uh, it mostly monitors regular weather data, like humidity, temperature, dew point, but it specifically monitors, monitors um, particulate matter 2.5, which is important because dust and PM 2.5 cause irritation in the respiratory tract, and it can worsen existing health conditions and reduce lung function, especially in vulnerable populations, which uh, Milton does have. Um, so this comes from exhausts as well as burning fossil fuels and wildfires, essentially most things that do burn. And as you can see, there's already a lot on the West Coast. Um, Milton seems to be pretty good, and we have them set up right now at three sensors, including the DPW yard and um, two in the select board members uh, area. So thank you, Roxanne and Arthur, for letting us put that on your houses. Um, we're doing the other two on Town Hall, which uh, I will be working with Bill Ritchie on, and one at the Tucker School. So, so far, as you can see, our PM 2.5 levels are very low, but it's good to monitor it throughout this year with the program. And now I will request Tim to come back and do the Climate Declaration Town Meeting article. So, so th this is the final thing, and it is, it's a little bit of a preview of coming attractions, um, you know, for the select board. Um, uh, if you're familiar with it's our resident group, uh, Sustainable Milton, um, who have been um, really great partners for a lot of the work that we've been doing, and, and we've tried to provide them with some informational and, and staff support for some of their efforts. Um, They've expressed an interest in um, submitting an article to town meeting um, acknowledging a, a declaration of a, a climate emergency. Um, as you see on the slide, 23 different towns in the Commonwealth have, have declared a climate emergency. Um, and it's really, uh, you know, on a, on a sort of symbolic level, a sort of a recognition of the severity of, of, of the climate crisis, the town's commitment to, to sort of, you know, put together efforts to, to, to do its part to, to help it. Um, and, and then also some specific um, specific measures that, that, that the proponents would want the town to take, um, you know, in, in including, you know, a, a convening of these stakeholders, um, you know, to put together a, a plan for, for putting together a climate action plan. Um, so this is something that, um, again, you know, Josh and Mira have been, um, you know, meeting with Sustainable Milton and sort of discussing this with them. We've been really, you know, less, you know, kind of direct support in terms of, you know, technical assistance and more kind of helping them figure out, okay, what what is the process to get the town meeting? Um, and so what we've encouraged them to do is, is to reach out to, to the select board to see if they get some time on your agenda to, to do their own kind of advocacy for this, um, you know, for this town meeting article, uh, you know, with the goal of it being adopted by the select board as a select board article rather than, uh, you know, a citizen's 
Um, so, you know, that's something that may or may not be, be on your docket in the near future. Um, and, and again, you know, we um, are, are very, you know, happy to provide the select board with any advice, support, or anything about, about um, you know, what they hear from the president group and, you know, really try to, you know, engage with them and, and figure out what, what the best strategy, you know, for the select board is, uh, you know, relative to this. So, um, you know, that may be something that might be coming down the pike pretty soon. Um, you know, from them, they're, they're, they're a great group. They're passionate about this issue. Um, and, and I think they've really, um, you know, they've, they've encouraged us to take a lot of these measures and, you know, what we wanted to do, um, you know, in this presentation tonight, which is, which is over as soon as I'm done talking is to just make sure that you're aware of the variety of different activities that these two departments are, are engaging in. Um, this is a really important issue, um, for, for us, um, for the town for the region, for the world, for the, for everybody. Um, and so, um, we want to make sure that you, that you all know that we're working on this and, you know, want to take any, any additional guidance for any other efforts that you think would be appropriate um, for us to take. And, and I'll finally just say again, um, Josh and Mira have really, um, gone above and beyond on a lot of these efforts. They're, they're really great additions to, um, to staff in town. Um, they've really been doing a great job and, and I think, um, they're doing work that you all could be, could be proud of. So, um, we'll stop there and happy to take any questions. And Mira, if you want to stop the screen share, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, thank you, Tim and Mira. Very comprehensive. Um, maybe I can lead out with a question um, that's all right with my colleagues, and that is uh, to know if Sustainable Milton, uh, who we want to recognize as well, has the uh, calendar for the December warrant uh, so that if they're going to move uh, for that particular town meeting, they would have uh, all of the timelines associated with the preparation of an article. Yeah, we've, um, we've, we've, we've provided them with that, but we'll, we'll also, you know, follow up to make sure that that calendar is, is 100% clear in October. Oh, okay. yep. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we, we pass that along to them. Thank you very much. The floor is open, please. Questions, comments. Mr. Zolis, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So, um, so Milton's participation in green communities um, over many years has led to great benefits. It has saved us money uh, and has allowed us to save money in an environmentally positive way. So to the extent that we can continue to do that with the Small Smart uh, program, it seems to me that makes a lot of sense. One question along those lines, Tim, uh, in the or, or maybe Mira, um, in the chart that you showed, uh, um, it said planning and zoning, and it said you had a five, and there was a it was in a pink box, and it said required twenty. Is that something that's holding us back? Is it a gating item? If if so, what is the gating item on that? Was I clear in what I was re referencing? It's on, on the slide, uh, the Soul Smart slide. Yeah, so actually our permitting and inspection is doing great. Obviously, we had a 55 for that. Um, but uh, actually, we codified wind instead of solar into our zoning bylaws um, to comply with the green communities requirements originally. So we didn't necessarily focus on wind and or solar instead of wind. So that's kind of what's holding us up in that situation. So so we would have to we would have to have a town meeting article on that in order to participate in the soul smart plan smart, yes smart program 
Well, we would need that for a higher um, rating. That's mostly why we're not getting the gold, I believe. But we would, seeing all the other things, we would probably have, we would end up having silver. Okay. So my, my understanding is that you have to get a certain point total um, and it, it doesn't, it's not as important as where all the, so if we rack up points in one area and we're deficient in another area, it evens out and we get sort of past that level. But, um, but again, you know, it, it may, it may make sense for us to think about, um, you know, coming up with some solar zoning. Um, I know that's something that um, the previous town administrator was, was very, um, uh, we're, we're all familiar with how, how excited Mike was about renewables, um, you know, and so um, that may be something that we may want to consider, um, you know, not just to get the points, but obviously, um, you know, because it, it makes sense, um, you know, for the town. This is almost. Uh, and and just one one other one other question um, on the town meeting article that was referenced in the, I guess the penultimate slide. Uh, the the it said um, sustainable Milton is 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 pushing an article and, and, and is that an article to, to declare whoa um, is that an article to declare a, a a climate emergency and 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 or and uh, is it is it, is it an article to to uh, establish this energy and climate committee which seems to me the select board could do without town meeting but you know town meeting may want to do it too so just what's the thought on the on the article both no it's it's there we're considering we as in sustainable milton is considering the um putting them all together which has been done in a lot of other communities as well okay as developing a climate emergency or as declaring a climate emergency this is one of the requests and then establishing the committee through town meeting rather than just establishing it through the select board essentially yeah doing all of it at once yeah okay thank you any other questions? Seeing none, uh, Tim and Mira, we thank you very much for all of your contributions to this evening's meeting. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Night. Thanks. We turn at this time to agenda item number 11, discussion approval lease agreement between the First Congregational Church in the town of Milton, Massachusetts for the Milton Teen Center, Wildcat Den. Paige, can we turn to you for the opening introduction on this topic? Can you, uh, you've been, have you any? Oh, I, well, I wasn't sure. You just wanna know that we have actually hired someone for the teen center and they're planning on opening on the 19th. So hopefully um, Mac Capwell will start on the 15th. And I know that um, I believe you have the lease in front of you tonight to go over. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any comments, Mr. Sulis? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just uh, just a brief background on the lease. This is the identical lease that was signed three years ago, except for the numbers and the dates. Um, three years ago, we signed a three-year lease. Um, to be able to use the, the renovated space in the um, basement of First Congregational Church as a youth center, Monday through Thursday from two to six for, for middle school students and um, occasionally on Friday and Saturday evenings during, uh, during hours agreed to 
by uh, the parks department and by the by the church for use of for use by high school age children and our cost to use this space which was newly renovated uh, was uh, just basically the costs to operate uh, which they determined at the time to be $340 a month during school uh, school months so basically nine months at that time there was a five percent escalator for the second and third year of the lease and so what the church has come back with now um, they've come back and said well uh, you know because costs have uh, increased um, we'd like to have the um, the costs be $394 a month rather than $340 a month because that's a 5% increase um, of, uh, for the last three years. Just as a note, we haven't been paying um, while it hasn't been open. We, the youth center uh, was closed, was opened in January of 2020 and then closed in March of 2020. Um, and so I think um, there's a lot of excitement about getting it open again. Um, and uh, I think that the First Congregational Church has been very cooperative and they're very excited. The Parks Department is very excited to get it open. Um, and um, as I said, this lease, it's, it's a three-year lease as it was before, uh, with the only change being, I, I believe from what Paige said, um, the, the agreed to date is probably September 19th on the first page. And then the $390 a month during the school year with a 5% escalator for the second and third years of the lease. Thank you, Mr. Zulis. Any further questions or comments? Mr. Chair, I'll make a motion to approve the lease as written. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Is there a second, please, I'll to second. Mr. Wells' motion? Thank you, Ms. Maslow. It has been moved and seconded. Seeing no uh, hands, uh, roll call vote. Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. <clears throat> we move to item number 12, discussion update to youth task force charge and appointment process. Mr. Zulis, did you want to speak to this item? I would, Mr. Um, Chair, if he does not. Oh. Okay. Go ahead, Richard. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Michael. Um, the this task force was something that started in my final years as chief, as Anne Marie might remember, and something that I um, articulated very strongly, both when I when I did run for select board and after I joined. The, the role of the task force was to do exactly what we've done, to identify and staff a youth center for the community. Um, as our colleague Roxanne points out, and I as each day goes along, I agree and agree more that, you know, we have so many committees. I'm not so sure we need this task force anymore. Um, I've talked to Kevin and Paul. We have some highly skilled people in this community that are going to run it. You're going to have a director. Um, I think this is a case where I don't think we need to point this committee anymore. You know me that I'm like, let our operational people do their operational thing. We have some great people in this community, so let them run with it. Any other comments, Mr. Zillis? Uh, sure, thank you. So, so, so yes, this was the, the committee that we put together uh, uh, just about, I guess it was just about four years ago. Um, there've been some suggestions, suggested changes by uh, Margaret Carroll's from the Milton Coalition, basically changing, updating the names to it. Um, the committee was very successful, uh, was really responsible for 
getting the youth center open, explored options for a, an independent building for youth center and uh, did not move forward at that time, thinking that this was a better, more cost-efficient option for it. Um, I think the youth task force was of great benefit then and can be a great benefit now um, for the purpose of getting the people in the room, including the students. Uh, we had student participation on the youth task force prior to opening the youth center. I think student participation going forward uh, along with the adults in the room can be very beneficial for um, uh, making suggestions and recommendations for programming and um, looking at opportunities for other resources for, for um, our teens to socialize and to be productive. And so I think it was very successful uh, prior to the pandemic. I think it can be very successful again, particularly to be a platform and a voice uh, for the teens to, uh, to have some input uh, in, in a very constructive and deliberative way. So I, I think it's very beneficial. Uh, certainly Ms. Carroll's from the Milton Coalition thinks it's very beneficial. Um, and I can tell you from serving on it uh, before the pandemic, uh, it was a very, very good um, platform for getting the, getting the team's voice um, manifested in town government. And I think it could be again and should be again. So I, I think we should move forward with it. Uh, successful before, and I think it can be very successful again. We thank you, Mr. Zulis, and you, Mr. Wells, for your comments. And we turn to Ms. Vesto for hers. Okay, thank you. Um, as Richard said, we have so many committees. We have over 90 committees. Committees require um, the town clerk to do the swearing in and hold in, in paperwork and um, and it really we can't farm everything out to committees. Um, there are so many committees; it's hard to keep track of them. Even ourselves, when we were looking at the committees, we found pages upon pages of back pages of committees. This committee definitely was very successful. We do have a place now for the teens, which I think is awesome. They've done a great job. I don't think that at this point in time that we need to rush to do this committee when we're in the process of looking at all of the committees. Um, I think it's a little short-sighted to do it right now. We're looking at all the committees and I think that, you know, as, um, as was pointed out by uh, Mr. Wells, there are, you know, we have the park department that's doing a great job with this. We have, there's a director now for the Wildcat Den. Um, I'm just thinking that we need to table this for now. We're in the process of looking at committees. If we keep um, adding more, you know, adding committees, leaving committees, we're never going to get it down a little bit. And it's really, I mean, over 90 committees, look at any other town. There is no other town that has this many. If there's a need for a committee, there's a need. But I think at this point in time, I agree with Richard Wells on this one. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Busto. Mr. Zulis? So I, 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 I would say that this is um, one of the areas where a committee is most needed. There may be among those 90 things that are dormant and things that are not needed. Um, but to suggest that, uh, that we don't need a committee to give voice to our teens and to try to, try to help our teens um, uh, with uh, options and opportunities after school, and at other times, um, 
you know, I, I, I think um, uh, 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 we had, as I said, we had something very successful um, and there's still work to be done. We, you know, we don't have our, te our teams, uh, I don't think the job is done uh, to have our teams um, uh, uh, with a full opportunity that they need outside of school time. And so, so I, 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 you know, I understand there's a lot of committees. I understand, uh, I understand that we're looking at them, but I think it sends a bad message for us to say, well, uh, we can move forward with the committees, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about the youth, youth task force. I think it sends a bad message. And I think it would be, I think it's a, a nice, there's nice synergy in reopening the, the youth center, the start of school, and re-energizing this task force to help uh, to help our, help teams in this town. So, so I think it's important, uh, and uh, and I'm going to continue to advocate in favor of it. Yeah, I recognize Mr. Wells, and then Ms. Monster. So I, I don't want to. I'm going to make a motion once I'm done here, Mr. Chair. Thank you. And I say this as the father of a teen, and I say this as one who spent their whole life um, committed to the safety of kids. And it, there's no way that the task force's mission specifically defined that's what they've done and i know every single person on that committee i met with the reverend's prof i met with reverend allen beforehand the existing reverend paul i meet with paul and kevin all the time both sros will all the players involved no one's denying any kid any but let you have to have faith in your people just as like as roxanne says we have 90 committees they have work to do let them do their work they've got their home if they come to us and say, hey, we need, you know, and no disrespect to Margaret, she's new at this. Chris Potts, Maria, and Maria and Paul Domano have been out on these streets for over 30 years working with these kids. So like, I just, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to take something off. But it was a task force, the task force did their mission. I intend, I intend uh, Mr. Chair to make a motion that we don't need to uh, fund this at this point. Okay, thank you for your motion, Mr. Wells and Ms. Musto. I, I agree with um, Mr. Wells wholeheartedly. And I would say that it's not a disrespect thing for the kids or for people that have put their time into this committee. I think that they've done a great job and they deserve um, you know, praise for what they've done, as well as the people now that are taking over for the Wildcat Den, the Parks Department and so forth. I just agree with, um, Mr. Wells, that it's not warranted at this time. So I am in agreement with him. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Zulis. I'm going to oppose the motion. Uh, the, the work of the committee is not done. Uh, if you look at the charge, there are things that are not finalized, that are not finished, that could be of great benefit to the community. And, and just to say a word, you know, about Ms. Carroll, she, she's not new to this. Uh, she has been working with the teens and the youth in this town for several years as a as a, the driving force behind the coalition, uh, and so uh, when when um, she talks about what may be needed for the teens, she knows what she's talking about. So uh, so I think it's I think it's very important. I don't. You're saying that I don't. Uh, I'm sorry. You're saying I'm that sorry? 38 years of public safety that I don't. I didn't say anything about I didn't say anything about your 38 years of public safety. Okay. I'm not sure what what that means, but. Um, but, um, so, um, so I'm going to oppose the motion because I think, um, you know, the work for the youth of this town, um, is, uh, you know, 
that was when I when I first ran for office in 2018. That was the primary need that was that uh, that that um, the parents talked about. It was the primary need, and that drove the founding of the committee, and it drove the uh, the the opening of the of the um, of the uh, Wildcat Den, the Teen Center. And um, there's still a lot more that needs to be done. So, so I, I, I really oppose disbanding this committee. Ms. Bustle. Um, I would just say, I think at this point in time, I don't think it's needed. It doesn't mean that somewhere down the road in a year or two from now, if things change that you don't revisit this. But for right now, I do agree with Mr. Wells. Thank so you. Mr. Wells has a motion on the table. Is there a second? I will second that. The motion is um, made and seconded. Um, I would just offer uh, the observation from the discussion uh, that is somewhat related to what Roxanne just um, inferred or stated, and that is, um, is the, if there is no task force or committee at the present time, and staff is operating, should they determine that they need one, they could come to the select board and make that request. Is that not correct? Yes. Okay. So uh, any further discussion on the motion that has been made and seconded? Well, <laughs> Ms. Uh, right, no, I, I would just say that maybe the staff could come, but but it was the parents that drove this before. It wasn't the staff, it was the parents that drove it. It was the parents who asked for it. It's, it was the parents who needed it. And I, I suspect you're going to see that the parents will ask for it again when they hear that it's been disbanded. Thank you. I disagree, Mr. Chair. It was actually the library, Will Adamchuk, Sarah Chuang, and the Parks, and, and uh, Maria Poles. They were the ones who drove it and brought it to us, not the parents. Thank you, everyone. Motion made and seconded. We will take a roll call vote. Uh, Mr. Zulas. No. Uh, Mr. Wells. Yes. Ms. Musto. Yes. And although it has uh, failed already, I will vote um, yes as well. We will at this time uh, turn to the next agenda item. 13, discussion, approval, recommendation of the local historic district study committee. I may not require approval uh, this evening. Uh, we have with us the chair of the committee, Mr. Larry Laufer. Can he be uh, moved up to a panelist, please? Mr. Lapa, thank you for being with us. It's good to see you again. It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate being here. I am Larry Lawford, the chairman of the Local Historic District Study Committee. Our committee had its first meeting on September 27th, 2021. The first six months of our committee's existence, we had difficulty keeping our quorum with volunteers coming and going. The charge for this committee is daunting, and it took us some time to find the suitable people to take on this challenge. The original charge 
was for this group to have its work done in 18 months. We are at the 12 month date. It is possible we may not be able to fulfill all of the requirements to complete this work in that time frame. Tonight is the very first and most important step, getting approval for our, suge our suggestion for the district to propose. Over the last year, we completed an exhaustive study of the federal historic sites and guidelines here in Milton. We focused immediately on those six areas, the federal sites, uh, that had already been vetted through the process and designated. There was practical and financial reasons for this decision. With each meeting, we invited people with knowledge and experience to teach us and guide us. Chairman Doyle, we appreciated your visit and guidance. We also had Jen Doherty of the Mass Historical Commission in a couple of times to discuss the state mandates from her. We also greatly benefited from Cheryl Tagayas' visit to discuss the planning board. And that was where we kind of changed direction. Tim Zerwinski, Rob Mallett were also very supportive and helpful. As a committee, we have questions that uh, we can get to here or sometime later. What we can state is that we have a consensus on where we should start with our first local historic district here in Milton. With all the time and work this committee has put in over the last year, it was hard for us to narrow down the field, but we have. We are proposing that we start with Milton Village to work in conjunction with the planning board. Milton Village is not named as one of the six federal districts we've been studying so actively. That was tough for us. Some of the committee feel it makes sense to also include Milton Hill. I'm not so sure. What we need is a clear path to collecting all the necessary information and survey materials to get public feedback and to prepare the, for the town meeting. The work from here to the point our committee can hand over our work to the next committee is sizable. We will be energized by having a focus on a single area. Thank you for the time. I thank my committee members, Secretary Ryan McLean, William Mullen, Mallory Walsh, Tom McGrath, Andrew Hoffman, and Doug Scheibach for the relentless right that work to get it right. Um, this has been a great deal of work. There's a lot more work to get done. And all we want is an approval to move forward with either Milton Village as our focus or Milton Village and Milton Hill. There are some issues related to money and um, with including Milton Hill because it's far more residential, but I think we can jump through all of those hurdles. Thank you for hearing our, our report. Well, thank you very much for being with us, Mr. Laffer. Um, you, you do not need an action from the select board at this particular time, as I understand matters. Um, do you anticipate a time when you may so that we can be preparing to accommodate the committee? What we need to do next um, in talking to Jen Doherty, we need to create a proposal making this suggestion and include all the requirements that the state needs. And we 
present that proposal to Jen Doherty. And that really starts us on the clock to ending up with a town meeting approving um, Milton Village as our first uh, local historic district. So that would um, necessitate an article in the town warrant to do so. And um, we would need to help you with a timeline for that. You have a committee that will be um, expiring in about six months. Is that correct, Larry? That is, that is absolutely correct. And that is one of the questions that we have um, because it took so long to get people the right people onto this board, it was a slower start. So two thoughts come to mind. One, um, it does not sound like you would be prepared for the December town meeting, but we should get you the calendar and schedule for that just so that you have it and you can make your own decisions. Uh, secondly, are you, uh, suggesting you might need in a request from the select board to extend the time of the current committee. That is what the current committee is concerned about. We want to, there, there are time frames, uh, Chairman. Um, there's 30 days and 60 days increments where we need to do some things first for the state and then for the town. And we wanna make sure that we have the time to do that correctly. But understanding that Milton Village is going to be our focus, now we can prepare all those documents. So you might be coming back to us at a later time with a specific extension request? Uh, most likely. Thank you. Um, Mr. Wells, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you, Mr. Luffer. Just when I hear you refer to the state and to the federal, are we talking about two designations, pursuing two designations, like a Massachusetts one and then perhaps a national one or no? No, no, um, the way it works, uh, uh, Mr. Wells, is that there are three levels of historic de designations, each with their own process and procedures right. and each with their own benefits and requirements. Uh, there are 351 towns in Massachusetts. Only 131 of them have local historic districts. It was determined by the select board that we pursue this and that's where we are right now. We're suggesting Milton Village as our one designation. Um, after we finish this work, we're not doing the work of what they're going to require. Um, and it's certainly not going to be a, uh, like a Nantucket where every house has to be the same because that just doesn't work here. Why not? We've already talked about a hundred other changes tonight. Just one more thing <laughs> throwing our pile. Thank you very much. Any other questions for Mr. Lopper? Seeing none. We thank you, sir, very much for being thank with us. Much. And please extend our appreciation to the members of your committee for their work. Thank you so much. We appreciate doing this work. Have a great evening. Thank you, thank you. you as well. Thank you.
Larry was uh, worried that he was number 13 on the agenda. <laughs> I was worried about that, by the That's way. Right. That well, is, well, you did a great job. Very I nice. don't want that to be an omen for this group. <laughs> we'll turn now to agenda number 14, please, which is the discussion approval of scenic road signage proposal from the Conservation Commission. I think everybody may have uh, seen that document just as um, uh, background information beyond what you have seen. Um, um, Meredith and I talked about this at our meeting on August 15th. Uh, scenic roads uh, do fall within the purview of the planning board. They would be working out related uh, details on any scenic road designation uh, that may be uh, determined. Uh, she thought that the select board should go ahead with entertaining the community conservation uh, commission's recommendation and voting on it. Um, she mentioned that the historic uh, commission had um, entertained this item as well. I contacted its chair, Steve O'Donnell, and he reported that the historic commission, historical commission, unanimously and enthusiastically. Um, approve the resolution. So at this time, um, I would entertain a motion. Mr. Shell, make a motion to approve the scenic road signage proposal as presented to us from the Conservation Commission. Is there a second, please? I'll second. Thank you, Ms. Musto. Any discussion? Seeing none, by roll call vote, Mr. Zulas? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. And item number 15, uh, discussion approval, municipal broadband committee recommendation of letter to town institutions about potential broadband services. Um, Mike Zulis, Mr. Zulis, can we turn to you for this, please? Sure. Sorry about my voice. Let me. <laughs> Sorry, got a little liquid down there. Yeah, sure. Uh, the recommendation of the committee is, is to reach out to the institutions in town, let them know that we are in the process of developing a new INET with additional fiber strands and seeing if there may be some interest on their part in participating or perhaps leasing uh, fiber strands. So it's outreach to the anchor institutions in town for that purpose. And that, uh, that was something that uh, has been laid out previously to town meeting as town meeting considered the municipal light plant uh, article articles previously. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Um, you need a motion to approve, sir? Uh, so yeah, that's fine. We, we have, uh, Roxanne, is that good? No, that's fine. That's fine. Yes. Okay. So you have uh, a motion by Mr. Wells, and is that a, and a second from you, Ms. Mesta? Sure. It's been yes. seconded. Uh, discussion. I'll just uh, mention that um, the draft letter has the chair as the letter sender. Mm -hmm. I feel no uh, pride of particular authorship. Be happy to do this. Just wanted to recognize that Mike Zulis has carried uh, much water on this, and I would have no difficulty, Mike, if you felt as vice chairman that it would, with your experience, be uh, something that you would want to do, or if it might be something that we might want to go out uh, from our new town administrator. So you have three options on the table. 
you know, the, the, uh, the, I can just say the committee recommended that the chair uh, send it out. I think that's appropriate. Uh, the responses wouldn't go back to you. We've asked that the responses go back to the secretary of the, of the committee. Uh, but, I, but the committee uh, in discussing this determined, number one, the committee doesn't have any letterhead. <laughs> so, um, so we thought it appropriate that the, the select board, if the select board agreed, send out the letter and that we could send out on behalf of select board. That's fine. Happy to do so, but just wanted to put all of the options and recognitions on the table. Thank you for that. So um, is there... And a bit of vote, Mr. Chair. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Wells, is there a second to the motion? Oh, second by Ms. Musto earlier. Yes. So we'll call vote. Mr. Zulis? Yes. Uh, Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle, yes. Thank you. Committee appointments? Mr. Chair, I'll make a motion to approve the following. Capital Improvement Committee, Lorraine D., John Focarelli, Michael Gale, and William Ritchie. The local emergency planning committee, Nicholas Milano, to the file committee, Nicholas Milano, to the select board landing committee, Nicholas Milano. Is there a second to these? I'll second. Thank you, Ms. Musto. Any discussion? Roll call vote. Mr. Zulas? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Number 17, discussion, master plan implementation committee appointment process. Um, this is, as we will recall, a uh, matter that goes back to the May town meeting where town meeting uh, added two positions uh, to the master plan implementation committee. And um, these two positions will be jointly appointed by of the select board and the planning board. Um, Meredith and I have uh, met, as I mentioned earlier, we have discussed this. And um, what I would like to first entertain is um, some dates that we could um, give to the chair of the planning board uh, for a joint meeting for these two appointments. So could we take a look at our uh, calendars and um, I'm wide open to suggestions that we might want to forward. Mr. Chair? Yes, Mr. Wells. So if we're just doing two appointments and there'll be nothing else, is this something maybe we could do earlier or maybe even the day in a morning meeting? Um, can we check on that to see if that's a possibility? I'm, I'm totally open and I think the planning board would be as well. Um, I have a tough month. I already emailed Lynn this morning, so this is a tough month for me. I'll be work-wise. I'll be traveling out of state from the 15th to the 18th, and from the 20th to the 20th. I'll be back on the 26th. Uh, I'm sorry, Richard. Um, you'll be back when the 26th. 26th. Thank you. So. Um, do we want to propose the week of the 26th? That would work. Any I'll, that would work for me, but I'll I'll do whatever. The rest would of this be um, possible for other members? Any problems with that week? Roxanne, you're okay with it? Yep, seem to be. Okay, and that looks good on my calendar as well, uh, Mike. 
How are you? You said the week of the 26th? 26th of September, yes. Um, so we're, we're thinking some evening that week, or what are we, what are we thinking? Uh, we could propose um, something early in the morning and or an evening. It's probably better to have it in the evening, but uh, that looks that week looks okay from my perspective. Okay. Everybody else could uh, do evening that yeah. week. Okay. Good. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, the next part of this that we want to flesh out is. Um, what we would like to recommend to the planning board is a mutual process. I'm sorry, Roxanne, your hand is raised. I recognize you. Just a quick question, Chair Doyle. Just wondering if during that, for that week, will you come back with like two possibilities of dates and times or how will we know? Oh, yeah, definitely we'll come back. Okay. That through uh, Lynn and Nick, of course, after speaking with Meredith, I'll send her a communication tomorrow. Okay. Uh, ask them for theirs. We've said those five days are okay for us in the evening. It will probably not be Friday um, in all likelihood. And I believe there's a fight. Check fight on their fight. calendar too. I'm sorry. Excuse they me. They have to check on their calendars as well. Okay. I'm sorry, Roxanne. I believe there was a firefighter retirement thing on the 29th, if anybody is going, um, that we were all invited to on September in the evening, I believe. Thank you for noting that. Okay. So for uh, <clears throat> the process um, recommendation, uh, we would of course, and I'm, I'm suggesting that we do this by Zoom, if that's acceptable to everybody. Yeah. yeah. And um, the psych board would open the meeting, the planning board would open. Uh, we have um, in the process that was previously um, discussed and ascertained uh, background information um, on the candidates. We had 10 candidates. Uh, there are now nine. One withdrew after seeing the um, expectations, requirements of uh, background. Um, so we would have the identification and background information for the nine candidates. Uh, the Master Plan Implementation Committee has been requested to make its recommendations. So uh, the select board and the planning board would have their recommendations in front of us. And then we would take a look at how we want to proceed um, in a, an equitable uh, and fair process to uh, the candidates involved. Um, Mr. Zulis, I think you previously um, recommended for some other work that we might follow the process that was done with the formation of the, um, the town administrator uh, steering committee, where we, we gave each one of us the name or names of the people on the list that we uh, recommended for that committee. 
was something of that nature surprised or something that was used for the uh, DEI committee? What would your recommendation be for us to consider and putting forward? Mr. Chair? Yes, Mr. Uh, I will let Michael answer. I was gonna let Mike. I had a thought, but I let Michael answer. No, it's okay. I have a thought. I think, he's my, you go, I think he's letting you go ahead, Richard. So my so my first question, because uh, I didn't know the so the current MPIC is going to make a recommendation to us before we vote, or we're going to we would have their recommendations jointly okay. before we vote. So yeah. they're gonna get the list, of, they're gonna have the list as well. Yes. Correct. That's correct. That's my understanding. So, so if that's the case, I mean, we deal with MPC. I'd, I'd be comfortable with just all submitting our list to maybe to Mr. Milano. I don't, or, or to you. I don't. I don't. I don't think we have to go as far as what we did for the town administrative committee. I mean, that was a lot of work. This next thing you know, we'll be doing this for all ninety committees, and I can see Roxanne's brow wrinkles. Yeah. So. <laughs> Now, this is an unusual situation, but it yes. is a matter of joint appointments and an opportunity for the two boys to uh, come together, which we haven't done, at least in my memory. Right. I don't think we've had, I don't think, I think, I think in my six, this is my, I think we've only had one person leave in the six years. I mean, other than like by board, you know, by ourselves, by planning board. You know, our board. Right. But as far as the citizens, I don't think it's changed. So, do your thought? I mean, that's my thought. My thought is we're down to nine. We want to, <clears throat> everyone submit their two to you. Or to Mr. Milano. I don't know. I see Mike well, his hand up, so I don't know. We, we, we have um, we have agreed that we would be together. Um, Just us first? No, the, the oh. two parties. Okay. Mrs. Zulis? So, so as I understand it, there's two ways to do it, as we've discussed before. Either we list all the names on the agenda and discuss them all, or we delegate it to a subset of the board to create a slate. Seems to me, since we're meeting with the planning board, delegating to a, a subset to develop a slate doesn't really work. It seems to me we probably need to list all the names and 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 discuss it. And you know, then it's just who makes a motion or who doesn't make a motion, or or perhaps just as a matter of uh, as a matter of structure, Arthur, maybe we say, hey, listen, you. Everyone give their thoughts initially, and and then we have uh, you know perhaps a discussion and motion. But Richard, I think it's you know from my point of view, it's similar to what we did when we we met with the Parks Commission. I'm fine. I, I agree. Uh, I'm fine with that. We, and that's that's yeah. what we did. We just we had a joint meeting, and uh, people gave their thoughts. We had motions, and we we had a vote. It seems to me that's that's what we did. Ms. Mesto. Um, yes, thank you. Um, I would say that we should put all the names out on uh, an agenda and we should have a discussion and we don't have to discuss each and every person that's on there. We have their resumes in front of us, but certainly um, at the joint meeting that we could put forward who we 
you know, would like, um, because we're trying to have an open process and be transparent. And, um, and yet we don't want people to fail badly. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of great community candidates that have put their names forward. And there are some, there is some guidance um, in who should be selected according to what town meeting voted on. So I think we have some guidance there and we can go and look at the resumes that people have put forward. Um, and I'm all about transparency. And I think that that would be the way to go. And I, I do like the fact that we should have this joint meeting and have the names there and, and get some feedback. You know, there, you know, I, I would like to hear from the other members on the, the planning board as well to hear what their input is. You know, uh, we should be listening to everybody's input here. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Vesto. That makes sense. And do we have a, a sense of consensus as to where we are? I just have one question, just just back to what, what Mike Zula said. The only difference was, like in the planning in the parks department, didn't we bring them all in and interview them too? Yeah, that was that was the only difference. Here we that don't was, need yeah. to, here we don't need to interview them. Okay. Um, because that was for an appointment of a parks commissioner. But just in terms of the process of the joint meeting, listing all the names and having a fulsome discussion, um, and Roxanne's right, we don't need to discuss everyone, but, right. but but right. we may. People may decide, right? It's up to it's up to everyone at the meeting. Right. All right. I think we have a, a sense of direction. Um, we'll uh, rely upon your notes. Lynn, I'm going to ask you to, if I can get an extract of those so that I, I reliably communicate to the chair of the planning board. Thank you. On our next item, we have a discussion approval proclamation childhood cancer awareness month. I'll make a motion. Um, okay. I Thank you, Ms. Rosto. Is there a uh, second to the second? Yeah, I'm gonna so I'll move to approve the proclamation for childhood cancer awareness month. Thank you. Second. Any discussion? We need to sign this, correct? I see Lynn. I just saw Lynn's head come up. <laughs> Let's vote. Okay, Mr. Zulus? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Mosto? Yes. Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. Town Administrator's Report. Um, <laughs> and we turn to... Uh, our town administrator and our interim town administrator for uh, topics that um, would fall under their report at this time. Go ahead, Mr. Town Administrator. I've, I certainly don't have much to report back to you tonight. I mentioned it at the top of the meeting, uh, what I've been up to the last um, day and a half, I guess, two days. And I would just add that um, this special town or the fall town meeting for December 5th is coming up as is the deadline for warrant articles of October 12th. So just wanna put that out there for folks as a reminder. Um, so forward to when they come in. Um, otherwise, I don't have any plans for this evening. I am aware of you do. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> I would just like to mention Can a I couple- just jump in for a minute? Um, sure. Mr. Milano, were you suggesting that we put that on our website too? 
Is that part of your suggestion so that everybody is reminded there? Yes, well, I thought I saw it up there, but I was looking just now. At, okay, it is, so. Okay, but people have to scroll down, right, to find it now. It, we can get it back up to the top. Well, I have a tagline that says, <coughs> scroll down for it. It's posted, so does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Right, right back to you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to talk about a couple of community events coming up. Um, as we all know, and I think Mr. Zulis was challenged on this one, um, Milton Glows Gold um, is September 30th. Um, it's a walk, run, ride event. Um, on September 30th, they request that you wear a gold-colored jersey, put a candle in the win window, put a gold ribbon on your door. And again, it was for that um, child that was... Um, who died of childhood cancer and his mother um, was at our last meeting and um, so bravely talked about this and this nonprofit that she had put together. Um, so I hope to uh, see you all there on uh, September 30th for the walk run ride event. And um, if you need any further information, you can go to miltongoldsgold.org uh, to sign up for the event. It is a great community event. A couple of other community events is um, Celebrate Milton is going to be coming up and that is going to be Sunday, October 2nd um, at Pierce. Um, you know, that's a wonderful community event um, from all sides of the town come together and um, join in festivities, um, informational um, booths and uh, it's, it's a great take. And lastly, um, the Centennial Mass of Thanksgiving at St. Agatha's Church is September 25th at 11.30 a.m. And you will have a proclamation on your September 20th agenda um, for that special event. And that is it, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Any questions for either Nick or Emily? Seeing none, um, I'll only make one um, point under the chair, and that is that we have received uh, a couple of inquiries about whether or not there will be a rededication of the uh, deck at East Milton in Manning Park. Uh, it, that has come from a couple of different sources, as I mentioned. Um, I would um, like to suggest, report that um, I contacted the director of DPW, Chase Berkeley, who indicated that MassDOT has said that they do not plan to have a formal uh, rededication um, event or ceremony for the reopening of the deck. Um, we have constituents who would like to do so, and I would like to put this uh, forward to you, uh, particularly in a manner whereby we could do this uh, with um, a group that is interested in support without establishing a committee per se. Would that be okay, Roxanne? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Chair? Yes, Mr. Wells. If you like, I will gladly take the lead on this and come back to you with a couple dates and I will make this happen for you. That would be wonderful. You... Is that agreeable to everybody else? Sure. Okay, thank you. And thank you again, Mr. Wells. Future meeting dates, we all have the calendar. Um, what I'd like to suggest is that we um, revisit the uh, dates that we have been holding tentatively for the select board retreat. 
It would seem that the 17th is a, a little tight for us. Um, we need to be sure that uh, Nick has an opportunity to um, get more aboard. And um, I'd like to suggest that if it's all right with you, we identify as our first opportunity the second date, which is September 24, or see if we'll see if any of you would like to uh, move into an October date, recognizing that we have, of course, a holiday weekend coming up in October. The retreats are held on Saturdays, usually from uh, 12 to 3, and um, they've been held the last couple of years at the, the uh, COA building. So I toss that out to you for comment. So should we uh, stay with the 24th? as an alternative date recommended. Ms. Musto. Um, I think we should ask Mr. Milano, um, you know, if he feels that, you know, the 24th or maybe pushing it off until the beginning of October might be better. Um, so he has a little more time to get acclimated. Any thoughts? I didn't feel I didn't feel like that was too soon. I felt like it was you know three weeks in. I have a kind of overall sense of what's going on, but it's to be able to be informed by the conversation to then um, go back to department heads and and staff to just kind of start checking off those goals would be helpful at this early phase too um, before it gets too far away from us. So I think um, the timeline for me is is not a worry. I'm, I was comfortable with the twenty fourth, but thank you for asking. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's sit with the 24th for now. Mr. Chair, I won't, as I stated earlier, I won't be there. Oh, yes, don't, that's right. You don't, don't get don't back hold, until the 26th. Don't hold this up for me. I, I, oh, you're such an important cog. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm serious. Like, if, if this works for everyone else, do it. Well, that's it's not, not like It's not like you won't fill me in. I think it's more important that you get it done. Because... Then you in October, holiday weekends, just, I know it's Labor Day, but we're going to be decorating the Christmas tree on the deck before we know it. <laughs> Anne-Marie has her hand up. Yes. Anne-Marie. Mrs. Chairman, I just wanted to um, let uh, Milton Access know that the phone in the attendee list is actually Aaron Bradley, and she'd like to be moved into participant. Great. I mean, from participant into a panelist. If that can be arranged. I'll just swipe her credit card right through the key and she'll get right in. <laughs> I told her we were almost standing, but she um, wanted to be moved in. Thank you, Anne Marie. Okay, motion will adjourn. <laughs> Not yet. We're waiting. For, we're waiting for Aaron to make that motion. Right. In the meantime, um, to accommodate Richard's schedule, it would seem Saturday, October one, and that would avoid the Columbus Day weekend. Could people check calendars and see if that would be okay? That works. That would be fine. That works. Okay, Mr. Zulos, would that work for you? I need I need to check that one on the on the home front. Saturday, October one. Yes. First, I need, I need to check that on the home front. Okay, so we'll hold those two dates until we hear back from everybody, and we 
don't have Aaron in with us yet. I don't want to be impolite. She said she. I'm sorry. Um, Lynn, can you move her over to panelist? It won't let me do it. Okay. Why don't you just text? I mean, we're just about to adjourn. You want to just text yeah. her in, Marie, that we're about to adjourn? Yep. She, she's texting me. Uh, she can't do 10 1. Okay. So we have a motion, do we, Ms. Duells? Yes. Motion yes. to adjourn. Is yes. there a second? Ms. Musco, second? Sure. Roll call, Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle, yes. Thank you all for a very uh, productive, busy evening. Um, much on our platters, it's going to be quite a year. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Good night, kids. Good night.